three, two, one. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a new episode of Stupid Podcast. This is, I think, episode 43. We haven't been recording for almost a month, but uh, <laughs> and we almost didn't record this week due to uh, scheduling, but we finally got down. We got a special guest. First, I'm joined by Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, it's you. I'm not the special guest, though. You're not the special guest. <laughs> Our special guest on this episode, Robert Lissardo, is joining us. TV actor, movie actor, all around awesome, awesome. guy. Hello, thank you for the uh, polite and gracious introduction. You know, you say that, the polite, gracious introduction, but if people are familiar with your work, you've been in a lot of films, you play a badass pretty much majority of the time. Yet, and you're a hard-ass in these movies. Like, your characters normally are hard-ass, badass motherfuckers. And by the way, we curse on this show, so... Feel free. Oh, um, <laughs> you are the nicest, most polite actor I have like, per, I've ever talked to. Had some, uh, you had some bad experiences? Yeah, I mean, I, most, yeah. Like, whenever I've gone to, um, we were lucky because we met at Inkton Geek this year. Um, right. And it was a really slow con. Uh, nothing against them, whatever. But uh, it was cool because you weren't. I was able to come and actually talk to you and have a, like a full-on conversation with you, opposed to going up to like someone and being just basically shoot away. Like they they don't want to. Like they either don't want to be there or they don't really care. They're mm-hmm. just there to shake hands, sign things, take a photo, and you know walk off. But so it feels disingenuous. So it feels disingenuous then sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes. absolutely. It doesn't feel like a a, a a a genuine human interaction. It's kind of like a like a, a peon and like a, a, a higher up person. And then it's just like, all right, well, that was cool. I met I met who I thought yeah. was you know someone I looked up to, and I guess they don't really have time. Which I get it. I mean, I feel you, Joseph. No, it's it's I, you know you're right on. Trust your instincts with that. Yeah. Just just say. Oh no, I pre no, absolutely. So, um do you feel like telling telling us a little bit about yourself? Like how you've been how long have you been doing movies, man? Um started uh, professionally in 1986, I think. I did an independent film directed by Abel Ferrara called China Girl, mm-hmm. starring James Russo, David Caruso. Um yeah. He shot in New York City, um, mm-hmm. uh, crime. What was it? What was the category of film? Was it? Um, Abel's notorious for these kind of, um, you know, you- some gut wrenching type, you know, mythologies. You know, these characters that are usually some dealing with some type of conflict and some tra- You know, there's always some kind of. Um, you know, element of, of, is it kind of like an allegory? He communicates these allegories, you know, mm-hmm. kind of spiritual slash religious type themes, or the characters are, are transitioning into or through something, you know, some type of cathartic situation. You know, a China Girl was like this kind of um, akin to, what was the film? Uh, if you remember the reference, West Side Story, this kind of forbidden oh, yeah. love between two different um tribes or two different you know 
uh, this man and woman, this you know, the young guy, this young girl, the Asian girl who lives in Chinatown, and this Italian young Italian American boy who falls in love with her, and that sparks this you know this war basically between the two tribes, between the two cultures, and so you know that so it's, it follows the same you know the same storyline. I think of that forbidden love, that you know that upsetting the balance, I guess, of people's you know, whatever. Their, yeah, the, uh, their dogmatic idea, ideology about their lives and all this nonsense. But anyway, the film was called China Girl, and uh, yeah, that was the first experience. It was pretty cool. Do you uh, find that uh, having done indie films and having done more Hollywood, do you have a preference of which you seem to enjoy more, or do they own? Do they each offer their own kind of specialness to it? I guess. Yes, yes, Jessica. They do both offer their unique special. You know, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, independent films provide, I think, sometimes, at least for me as an artist, opportunities uh, to grow as an artist, as an actor. Yeah. Roles that sometimes uh, are more, that, you know, the writers take more time in conceptualizing and, and give me some character development. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I like a- that. Do you yeah. find, um, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to, to overspeak oh. you. Do you find Hollywood has a tendency to typecast you since you do seem to play more badass characters? Yeah, that was actually a question. Yeah, I was one to ask because, like I said, or do you or do you audition mostly for those roles because they're enjoyable for you? Um, I think that the people that make the decisions mm-hmm. cue on a couple of things. They cue on what they perceive as persona, mm-hmm. the vibration, the feeling they get when they see someone. And that could also be their own projection based on how they were raised and what they're, how they assimilate what they're seeing based on, you know, whatever. Absolutely. The, uh, the frame of references, you know. Um, and I think it's a visual medium, right, Jess? And Joseph, right. it's, it's a visual medium. So I think mm-hmm. depending on our culture and what we've been trained as a collective to believe or how we're, you know, I'm not trying to speak for people, but it just seems that uh, there's a percentage of the population that does do as they're told, so to speak, or, you know, believe what they see and that's kind of thing. And they, they, they may not, they may not admit it, or they may say they don't necessarily, they aren't necessarily swayed by stereotypes, but they're being manipulated, I think, whether they realize it or not, to some degree. And, you know, so I think the, the challenge always is to look at someone and, and be, and have the courage to see them honestly in the moment, in the present, without the memory of conditional experiencing, um, getting in the way of that. So, and I think that's the same for even casting directors, producers. They're going to also fall prey to that perception dilemma. Mm-hmm. And no matter how well you speak or if you're educated, you're catering to an audience that's trained to cue in on certain visual aesthetic. So if a female looks a certain way, a male looks a certain way, you know, the archetypes play into mythos, traditional mythos, you know, heroes, heroines, bad guys, bad girls, good girls, girl next door, you know, heroic type gentlemen seedy grimy kind of guy the physical uh making of these things i don't know if orig- or originate in hollywood movies or movies or do they originate in real life that's you know it's a, that's a rhetorical question so to answer your, your your question and your query about this my feeling is that i'm not playing any characters i'm being played in other words <laughs> um i think that the question might be why do they, the people that make the decisions, continue to project their fantasy of what they think I am onto me? 
Right. I absolutely. And I actually I, I that's kind of the answer I was hoping you'd give, because I, I, too, have a lot of tattoos and things. And I find that there is a perception that goes with that. Is there a type of character you really wish people could kind of close your their eyes and not have those preconceptions and that you'd really like to play that wouldn't be so geared based on how you look, but really what you think you would like to do that you could bring to it? Yeah, yeah, that, that would be a nice opportunity. There's been some professional experiences like that in the recent past, I'm happy to say. Good. Uh, yeah, you know, the difficulty, I think, with some of the independent filmmakers is that they don't always have a whole lot of finance to present their product for mm-hmm. many people to see. So some of the performances or characters that I prefer to play as I evolve as an artist are not maybe readily available or easily seen. But I'm just grateful for the opportunity. In general, because I don't get, to, I can't get too attached to results of my work. I don't even watch most of the TV shows I'm on or been on. I support them if producers or casting people, whoever's involved in the collaboration, asks me to support something. I'll do research, just like you asked me. Hey, Robert, would you please watch these trailers and cue in on these various shows that are, these upcoming shows and movies that are coming out? Then I'll I'll share my feelings and my opinion about what I've observed. But I generally don't watch uh, television. Really? Okay. I was gonna add. That was gonna be. I wouldn't say a direct question that I was going to have, but because uh, I know you've been um, nip tuck, you were you were in for a little run, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> and you've been in you know a lot of indie movies and a lot you know a lot of you know bigger movies, um, but more so I guess the follow up with Jessica's question: Have there been any movies that you more so had a say so in of like a character that you were like I. N- I need to be in this TV show. Or I need to be in this movie because this character is something that goes against what, like what we were just talking about, like the stereotypical of this is what people perceive me as, uh, because you know I'm covered in tattoos and uh, I've got like that vibe. Like, has there been anything that you were like, absolutely, I need to do this because it goes against that perception? Um, yes. Um, I don't have much say in any of that. But, right. Um, no, of course. Yeah. There was a show called In Plain Sight, um, and the character was a shaman who lived in the desert. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. That's He's awesome. Pretty mellow, and yeah, he uh, worked with children, helped children, and he had this uh, animal form of alpaca, alpacas. Those, mm-hmm. those kind of <laughs> alpacas. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, alpacas, and uh, he took care of them. So that was a. I did two episodes of that. That was kind of refreshing and light and didn't have as many, uh, it was easier to sleep at night with that material, you know, because I take my work to bed. I think as we all do more or less, whether we like to admit it or not, it's hard to, um, clean out the psyche. Sometimes the psyche gets, you know, clogged up with a lot of this stuff. So it's nice to be able to relax a bit. I, I can only imagine. So like, I know you say that you don't have much say in it. And of course, when it comes to, you know, the character that you get cast in, you know, that's that's the character. That's what they're written as. But like, do, like, do you get a say with, I, I guess, like your agents or your agent or whatever the case of like, hey, I want to try to do more of this type of like film or this kind of char- like these types of characters opposed to, again, what's, you know, you know recycled and such. Like, do, do you yeah, get jo- more of a say Joseph, on that? Yeah. No, unfortunately, Joseph, I haven't. I'm not trying to dog anybody here, but I haven't had the best relation, the best relationships with uh, agents and managers over the years. Um, I don't know if they're as sensitive as we'd like them to be mm-hmm. regarding what you just mentioned. Um, I think a lot of the focus is money. Yeah, and, ab- and absolutely. Yeah. Worth. 
how bankable you are. I don't think they care to. It almost seems like what you just described is an af afterthought. Yeah. And actually, we have a, a topic a little bit later on here in the show that we're going to talk about, actually, regarding like Universal and their whole monster universe and like a recent movie that just came out. But we'll talk about that you know a little bit later um, here in the show. So, um, you dude, you've been acting since like the 80s, man. Like, have there been any auditions, let's say, after you've gotten comfortable with you know, acting and you know, you know, professional acting. Has there been any auditions for like characters or movies that like you've gone like that you've become nervous that you were nervous during those interviews after being comfortable with acting, you know, comfortable, you know, doing this for a while. Has there been anything that you were just like, Oh wow, this is, I don't know if I can do this. Okay. Um, just going to be straight with you. The audition process is always laborious and nerve wracking. I'm never comfortable with it. I don't think I've ever gotten to a point where it was something I looked forward to. It's mm -hmm. something because I engage discipline and I recognize the importance of that. I can't help myself. I prepare, I study. Um, but some of the, uh, the elements involved in that process are just, uh, not only they're ambiguous and arbitrary, they're just downright, like they're rude. People that you come across, some of the other actors are not always polite. Mm -hmm. the vibe in those rooms and some of the things that are said about the ink are uh, who by people who are in powerful positions who feel it's okay to just, you know, talk, uh, just be, be disrespectful. I've had a lot of experiences along those lines. And so I think that when I do have a, a good experience or when someone's polite and appreciates the, uh, what I bring and my preparation, you know, occasionally you walk away feeling, wow, that, that went well. I feel really good about that. It's subjective, though, because just be, you know, that doesn't always factor in. You can have a great audition, but if you don't look right physically, you don't get the job. So to answer your question, I would say that I don't know if there's ever a time that I enjoyed auditioning or I ever felt, oh, this is uh, – I, I psych myself out mm -hmm. and I get into a place, kind of like a self-induced trance, so I don't see anything around me to block out all the influence, the psychic influence from other people, or whether it's negative or positive, I just want to be in the zone so that when they, I, I go into the room and I shake hands and I'm polite and they say, okay, go, I'm completely present. But that experience is, uh, I think for me, emotionally horrendous, right? You know, it's, it's, it's exhausting it, and it's, uh, it's never been comfortable. Uh, the, only, the only payoff is when, you, when the sense is that as a performer, you've achieved a disposition that is so effective that you don't see the people in the room anymore. You're so absorbed within the within the character and what's been written that you become that, and everything just vanishes. And there's this moment-to-moment -moment experiencing where you become that character, whatever, and that becomes the dominant reality, and it's almost like you black out. And they say, and, you, and when it's done, you have to take some moments to kind of get back into your body, so to speak. And those, I've had experiences like that, that were mind blowing. And uh, sometimes they're effectual, and sometimes it doesn't matter that that happened to me. It's obviously a subjective experience. They're like, wow. But for whatever reason, it doesn't always translate into employment. Wow. This is like, it's funny. This is a very eye opening like interview, like to see the process and like the, the, like, the struggle and like the, the, the racking of it that's that's crazy um 
I mean, I, I, I expect them this next question to be more like more of a fun question, but in reality, like from every, what you're telling me, like maybe I already know the answer, but, um, you've done a lot of films. Um, something that was maybe not too long ago, the human centipede three, like I only have one question. Um, how were you approached by like to do this movie like did they explain to you like the scenes that you'd be like portrayed in this movie like the and i i, I just i, I want to know how does someone get like approached for this this role um tom six the creator of that franchise mm-hmm. and the director of the films he reached out to me personally really his sister ilona six also yeah i think either tom uh in conjunction with his sister sent me an email that they wanted to have a skype um interview with me just talk to me about it and i agreed and i wasn't aware of the films i'd heard of the human centipede because my friend jose martinez had told me about it. he reviews a lot of films and he had gone to a screening of it told me a little bit about it Mm -hmm. and i remember him sharing that with me so my only frame of reference was that it was extreme and uh that's about it and so when i spoke with tom he was very polite and so was his sister ilona and they were very eloquent and Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, expressed respect for me as an as a as an entertainer on my work and my what they what they perceived as this kind of fearless approach to the art to the medium. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated the, them uh, being so uh, you know so polite about it. And so they asked me, "Had you seen?" They asked Tom, asked me just bluntly, "Did you have you seen my films?" I said, "No, Tom, no disrespect, man, but I I haven't seen them." So he suggested that I watch them, and I did. And uh, after that, let's talk about, you know, how you feel if you'd like to be a part of the third, third, the third, third project. Mm-hmm. So I watched the films. I liked the first one. I thought, um, I liked the character development. I liked uh, Dieter Laser. His his performance I thought was um, evocative and interesting. I liked it. Absolutely, I I actually yeah, really yeah, enjoyed the I first one. Yeah. So I thought he. I thought that what a, a strong choice was that he um, he buried his victim. Because mm-hmm. we live in a world now where people don't do that. They're just, you know, people are, are people unfortunately are murdered and killed and they're left by the sides of the road. Or there's all this extreme barbarism that occurs in our world and little little concern about how the you know, the body is placed in the end. And so he took the time. He took the guy, his victim, and put his arms around him and said, I'm sorry, nothing personal, but you don't fit. And they proceeded to exterminate him and then had this little ceremony where he dug a grave and he buried him and just stood there and this you know, he kind of just took this introspective moment and then walked away and I thought wow that's pretty cool uh, second film uh, Human Centipede 2 I thought I wasn't too crazy about it uh, not because it was so gross I just thought it was redundant you know mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't it just it was after a while I just felt like uh, okay enough you know I, I mean there was some extreme lessons in barbarism and all that but uh, I wasn't you know and I, I met Lawrence Harvey and he's a very nice man very soft-spoken, intelligent man. I have respect for him as an actor. Uh, just I, I, if you ask me which film I prefer, I prefer the first one to the second. Uh, as far as the third one goes, um, and answer your question, um, we talked about the character, and uh, I was fine with what was originally pre- presented to me. And then oh. mid-stride, Tom changed his mind for whatever reason. Said, "I wanted you to play another character, not the original character," because Uh-oh. I think originally they wanted me to play. Uh, Tiny Tiny Lister's character. Really? Uh, yeah, they wanted me to play that. He said, "Robert, your character hates authority." I was like, "Okay, cool. I can relate to that." Yeah. 
your character hates authority. You're the most rebellious inmate in the prison. I said, cool. Uh, we need to do a, a body cast of your arm. We're going to break your fingers and all this stuff. I said, cool. Sounds like fun. Let's do it. Um, then right before we're going to make the deal, he sends me another. He wants to con talk to me again and says, listen, I was thinking about it, and I'd like you to play the other character. And I, I asked him, what character are you talking about? He made the reference to it. And I'm like, oh. I said, Tom, I'm going to be straight with you. The whole time I was reading that script, I was grateful that I'm not having to play that character. <laughs> and uh, we, t you know, and I, I, I walked away from the project for a minute. I said, you know what? Let me rethink this. I don't know if that's something I feel comfortable doing. And then, uh, so you know, we took a, a time out. And I'll make the long story short. Uh, we revisited it. We talked about it, and. Ilona basically apologized. She said, listen, I think you misunderstood Tom's approach to this with you. He's not, he, he didn't mean in any way to disrespect you. He has tremendous res respect for your ability as an actor and feels that you're probably the most courageous actor and the only one that could probably deal, could, could take something like this on. And it's because of that he wants you to portray this because he thinks you'd be the most effective at doing this. And have, you know, so I said, okay. I thought about it. I said, okay. You know what? Let's do it. So I agreed. Hmm. All right. Did you? Um. I know you said you don't watch a lot of stuff that you've uh, acted in, like TV shows. Like, did you see? Did you watch um, this movie? Yeah, I went to the premiere. Yeah. Right, cool. Um, All right. I was just. I was. Yeah, I went to the premiere, and uh, I think I'm not the only one that was disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't because, because I knew what I, you know, what I was, what I was being asked to manifest, or what the, what it, you know. You know what I was getting involved with, so mm -hmm. it wasn't that. I actually was kind of excited about some of that because I, I thought with some of the character actors, the characters that Tom originally introduced in the story, because you got to understand something. The way he presented this to me was that there would be character development. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't just be about one or two um, characters in the film. Right. It would be the exploration of everybody point of view so that the audience would see it from different angles and understand the conflict right. otherwise you put the vision in the hands of a dictator and you're only listening to one perception bellowing the whole time you know blah 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 blah, and that's kind of boring which i think is what he ended up with so yeah he, i think i don't i wouldn't say that he lied i would say that he wasn't completely clear mm -hmm. or what he said he would do he didn't necessarily follow through in the editing room because it's about 20 minutes of that movie that never made the final cut that was removed. Um, and I think those are the sequences that myself and some of the other actors anticipated watching because those were the moments where the inmates, the other actors, the other characters challenged, uh, you know, that fascist kind of, you know, yeah. thing that was going on. And, and you never saw any of that. And that's upsetting because that that movie the movie absolutely needed something like that and like you said before yeah. like it ended up or like it it ended up just being one character bellowing out and yelling and acting a fool and there there really wasn't much more and I, dude I was rooting for your character like just so you know because I I obviously everything that was fucking happening uh to these inmates uh, and like the main story that it was following I was just like what the fuck why why is this happening this guy needs to get like actually shanked or something or called out called out like that sequence i don't know if you remember the film but there's a sequence prior to the riot scene mm -hmm. where you get the sense that the inmates are getting ready to get they've had enough where yeah uh, the warden shows the movies 
and communicates mm-hmm. or warns that he will do this to them. Yeah. Promises that he will do this to them. And it was, it was a series of stages of witnessing, you know, right before there's a storm, you hear thunder. Yeah. The wind starts to blow things. It builds. And that's what happened. Each character, you know, we, there was this, like I said, a few minutes of that. And the character I portrayed jumps up on the table and responds to those things. I called him out. I, I you know, there's all this ad libbing that we did that was really effectual. That, that uh, Tom Six's DP, uh, he's a, I think he's from Great Britain. He directed. He uh, he uh, he was the director of photography for, for part two. He commented after that sequence said, "Robert, thank you for making this a great film because he, what he was witnessing was what Tom had promised us." He said, Robert, we're not going to write a lot of dialogue for you. I would like you to ad lib. Just be ready because Dieter Laser is pretty good at responding to that. I said, that'll be fantastic. I hope he can have a kind of back and forth, this kind of rally, which would make it interesting. Um, so I did that. And I, we came up with what we thought was some effectual diatribe to call out that character's cowardice, to point out the hypocrisy of what was going on in mm. not just the riot scene, but in other scenes as well. At the end, where Warden confronts the inmate and tells him that he's you know basically going to sew him into the centipede there was a monologue that was written or that i wrote that i communicated to the the character i portrayed communicated to the warden expressing this this it was just just something i came up with and tom loved it he cut that whole monologue out so all you see now is Dieter saying whatever he says and the inmate saying please don't you know don't put me in the centipede that monologue monologue prior to that which gives you an idea of who he is, this character is, the inmate is in relationship to Dieter, which gives you some history because the inmate's been locked up for a long time. And like in any situation, you, as, as awful as it is, as, as, as primeval as it is, there's still relationships that you have to explore. I mean, you don't have to, but help you understand the environment you're visiting because you know this inmate's been in this prison. He has a relationship with the warden. Um, and the guards, anybody who understands prison dynamic knows that the, the, the guards and the warden is in, are in the prison with them. And so mm-hmm. it's inevitable that they're going to develop some type of interaction. And, and, and I think it was important to communicate that experience from the point of view of inmates so the audience would understand that experience, like I said, from the perception of the other, rather than always being it being lorded over the, the you know the the people, so to speak, and in 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 that in that in that situation of ins- yeah. ins- slavery. So you don't get to see any of that. You don't get to hear that voice of resistance of rebellion out loud. He's he he removed that. And so when, after the, to bring this up to speed with the screening, after the screening, uh, we all just looked at each other. I know the Japanese actor, uh, mm. I call him Yoshi. He was in the first one. He looked at me and he just he had was mortified. He couldn't understand why Tom had let Dieter speak for so long. He said, wow, Robert, Dieter speaks so much. I don't know why Tom let him speak so much. <laughs> like, hey, I don't know, man. And so I went up there. I, I, tried, I did my, my best to keep a straight face <laughs> and not be too disrespectful to Tom Six because I felt like we had been manipulated. Right. Tiny Lister didn't even stick around. He left. As soon as the, the lights came up, he got up. Actually, I think he left. Before the lights came up, he just walked out, didn't oh, wow. stay for any of the q and I stayed because I don't take it that personal, man. Like, it's to me, it, it, if the thing falls down, right, 
which I think it did. His franchise kind of fell down. Mm-hmm. It, didn't, it doesn't fall down on me. I'm not its its creator. Absolutely not. I just yeah. in a much more complicated game. So I think it, it fell down on him because he did not even – I don't think he succeeded in the way he had wished to. Mm-hmm. The whole point was that I thought it would be a social political commentary, a satire. Yeah. Like Natural Born Killers, where you get to see like Tommy Lee Jones and Natural Born Killers, the you know the ugliness of that and the abuse of that position of warden presented in a mirror, and the the reflection would be the inmates basically attacking that power, showing him that he's not omnipotent, that he's basically full of shit and a coward. And mm-hmm. I and I explained that to Tom. We had many conversations discussing that dynamic. He just never followed through. We did it. We filmed it. He just cut all those sequences out. That that is cast, a fucking shame. Not only did he castrate the character, he castrated the performances across the board, so he could, I guess, champion a particular ideology that he felt suited the film best. But I think, in retrospect, some would say, even fans of the franchise, is that he didn't achieve it. He failed. No, absolutely not. And like I like I said earlier, like I actually very much enjoyed the first movie. Second movie was eh, and this movie for me was so off the rails. And like I said, like your character, like that was one of the um, something that I was like so hoping, like all right this guy's going to get his revenge or, you know, get his say and get his revenge. And then, yeah, like you stated, all we got was please don't do this. And then you're in what, in the centipede, like 20 minutes later, not even that, like 10 minutes later. And it's complete bullshit. No, I will say say 20 minutes was cut 20 minutes of of the response. My, my character's response is, you know, the, 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 the the answer, you know, the comeback to his claim to, to that character's uh, accusations about us being filthy. There was a response to all that. So I, for anyone who has not uh, watched the Human Centipede three and maybe enjoyed the first movie or didn't see the second one or maybe you enjoy both, there comes a a scene in Human Centipede Part three where the warden walks into the cafeteria and pretty much all of the inmates at the time basically gang up on him. At the end of that sequence, just turn the movie off. I mean, that's what I would sit, like, suggest for because that's a good ending right there. I thought that was a that, the movie could have been really good. All right, there you go. He got his uh, got fucked in a kidney. Cool, excellent. Well, Robert, thank you so much for this little oh, like little. Oh, question. you have a question? I want to know what upcoming <laughs> projects you have coming up because you name dropped earlier one you just finished up. I want to know what else we can look forward you know to seeing you. And in. he did. He did. Pro- he did say he could hint. Yes. <laughs> Um, I'm doing. I'm currently in Vancouver shooting something called Psych, the movie. Yes. Um, spinoff of a TV show that was on it for eight years. Yeah. Uh, directed yes. by Steve Franks, who's the creator of the show. James Roday stars. Dulé Hill are the two lead actors. Uh, it's a comedy slash mystery uh, drama, I believe. I love that show. I actually, I haven't watched all of it, but I've watched probably a good couple of seasons. So that's exciting. It should be out Christmas. I think they're planning for a Christmas. It's a TV movie. It premieres on USA Network, I think, around the holidays. Yeah. Awesome. That's phenomenal. I love when uh, TV shows that either get canceled or are, you know, just can't you know, make the cut end up getting movies that wrap them up. Like, uh, yeah. like one of the most like infamous, famous ones, Firefly, for example, got canceled after the first season, yet they still were able to get a movie, wrap it up. I know... Um, Arrested Development got that, re- not even a reboot, but a continuation through a uh, Netflix series, which is really cool. Yeah. So. Maybe it's, it has something to do with what you mentioned earlier, which is the fans and the people who, uh, you know, contact whoever, the network, and, you know, you know uh, are not, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't go away quietly. They, they want, they want the show to continue. So maybe it's the, the voices of the people, like you said earlier, that 
influence those decisions down the road. The fan, you know, the fan favorite type thing, and you know, pop by, backed by popular demand because the people want it. So I guess maybe there's something to be said about that too, right? I mean, we hope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely be right back on this subject here in a second. Um, Jessica, you have anything else? No. That's cool. It. Um, well, that wraps up the interview part of the, this episode. Let's go ahead and get right into the show. Robert will be joining us as our third seat guest, and we will uh, continue normal operations of Stupid Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, jump into TV. Um, Robert, you say you're, you're not watching any television shows at all, or you don't watch um, TV? I had, yeah, I had the, uh, the Nature Channel on. I was watching a show about volcanoes, this volcano in Hawaii that erupting right now so i'm kind of fascinated with uh that aspect of reality oh yeah uh, that's fascinating yeah, and that's horrifying. My, guess my escapism and you know I, I like to know a little bit about the the, the physical world and you know the natural as elements of our, our world i'm not knocking the other the other thing because you know I, I watch films and movies and stuff i think i may i'm stuck in a, the 70s because i like <laughs> to watch a lot of older movies and television shows Hey, man, being stuck in the 70s doesn't seem like such a bad thing right now. I mean, what's going on in present time, huh, outside right now, outside that window of yours, outside our window, that's, that's not fun stuff. That's not fun stuff to talk about <laughs> whatsoever. Okay. So, yeah. um, well, we have been watching, Jessica and I, uh, Handmaid's Tale and American Gods. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've uh, heard anything about these. Uh, American Gods is on stars. It's a... Uh, uh, adaption of a Neil Ga- Neil Gaiman Gaiman um, novels, and right now that's a it's a fantastic show. Like it is. Are you familiar with American Gods, the book at all? If you like reading, I don't know what's going on. So if if you love or if you ever have time, like sitting on a plane to read, and you like kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. It's this fantasy, but real world. Everything's messed up, but they're I don't know. I really can't give you an awesome description without <laughs> it being uncomplicated, but you should check it out. I think you might like okay. it. It's in uh, Neil Gaiman's a wonderful writer. It, yeah, it's basically set in a world where um, gods do exist among us, and uh, there's the old gods like Odin, Odin. and Zeus and uh, you gods know, of mythology. Yeah, yeah, yes. and and then they vary all religions, all you know, all types of different gods but they're fighting the new age gods that we know the humans have basically created so you have a god of media a god of technology and it's this inner and interesting clash and uh, yeah and uh, ian mcshane esoteric um, versus exoteric yeah yes absolutely so you've got for example um the god of technology who is a whiny little kid who smokes an (laughs) e-cigarette and dresses like a bit of a douche and is a total brat yeah and is a total douche and then you've got um like mr wednesday who is one of the main characters who is uh odin and he's played by ian mcshane uh and um he's very eccentric yeah. i guess the, the word the right word is it that's a solid or, yeah that's the, in mcshane for you oh yeah. absolutely <laughs> um you know amy mcshane yeah you that's that's how he is yeah in montreal yeah uh and the the whole show is basically told through the perspective of uh this character named Moonshadow, which they shadow e- or shadow moon i always shadow fuck it up moon. they they even make fun of his name in the show and the books because uh <laughs> i think uh mr wednesday uh asked him what you had hippies hippies for parents yeah. or something like that which is amusing, but uh, no, very interesting show. It's very visual. It's by Brian Fuller, uh, who did Hannibal 
um, mm-hmm. the the TV series, and he's done yeah. a, a lot of other like fantastic stuff. I know who that is? Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it, <laughs> It's a very fantastic show. Oh um, yeah, I think I'm gonna based on what you described, man. It sounds like something I might enjoy. Thank you. Excellent. We'll we'll have a um another episode in the future where we go. Hey, Robert, did you watch that thing we told you to watch? Um, it's reassuring to know that content like that exists, where there are actually, you know, there are writers that are aware of that yeah. a challenge that we face as, as a society, as a whatever you want to call it, uh, and that there and there's a market for it. Yeah, absolutely, and especially, and it's it's crazy because this show and then the Handmaid's Tale, which we'll talk about here real quick in a second. Um, there's a lot of more so Handmaid's Tale. Um, it, there's a lot of relevancy of like like parallels of what's happening right now, like in the current state of like our country and the world and beliefs and, you know, just craziness. So let's go ahead and talk about Handmaid's Tale real quick. So uh, it's a Hulu uh, original. It's an adaption of a a novel by Mm -hmm. the same name. And uh, it's basically set in a world where a Christian-like religion has taken over, stripped women of all their rights, uh, be basically because there was a, um, I think, a disease or something along those lines where um, uh, a lot of women became, like, sterile. Is that the yeah, like, right yeah. of it? About 90% of the women in the world cannot carry children to term. You know, that combined with uh, most of the population of men are now sterile. So now the women that can produce babies are this coveted currency. And mm. they're and instead of being, you know, raised up for what they're able to do, they're treated basically as breeding animals. So What's the population of, count within this setting? What, it's, what did, what did, it's, uh, it's supposed to be... Uh, current dystopia so the the population hasn't fallen yet so what you're experiencing in the in the show is roughly 10 years of this since this disease so it'd be like 2027 if we had something like that happen right now so it's still current enough to be the fixation point but you haven't had that huge die-off yet okay so there's still billions and billions of people on the planet within the setting of of this of this fiction okay yeah yeah there was yeah there wasn't any like uh virus that killed off anyone it was just basically basically just stopped yeah just population stopped growing basically so they're having to watch the number plummet with nothing to repopulate it and uh jessica you you have a you have (laughs) a interesting concept yeah yeah so jessica you i know we've talked about before but for the sake of robert being on you do have a vagina so how (laughs) how scary is this like idea this world that they've built well without getting overly political or anything it wouldn't probably have been as scary a few years ago but now that it feels that not just women but the 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 voice of the people as far as the way the world's concerned is not heard it starts to get very scary it's it's a little too real don't you think that's yeah i I hear what you're saying and 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 totalitarianism sucks i think we're in the throes of it right now absolutely that maybe aren't as obvious as that show's premise, but I mean I don't know. Do you, do you don't you feel in a way that that show's concept and premise is a little bit kind of it feels like wishful thinking? What do you mean? Like, well, in- I don't mean I, w- I wouldn't say that I would I would support um, any kind of dic- you know any type of government that would uh, enforce something like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the idea that men are sterile and women are sterile and that we can't continue to procreate at ridiculous rates and obviously strip the world of its natural because re- i think we're in a situation now if you pay attention to the planet 
you know, and, and uh, what's happening with our ecosystems and our world. There's too many people on the planet. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh yeah. There's more people <laughs> on the planet now than there's ever been. Oh, and absolutely. We're like a runaway train. If we don't get a handle on that soon, based on what some of the various, you know, you got different schools of science that are predicting any number of scenarios that could play out if we don't start to recognize mm-hmm. our relationship, not only to the planet, but to each other and how, you know, the, the weather, the, the, you know, we talked about earlier about the, the tornadoes and, and the storms in Florida and all it takes is a few of those and you have civil unrest. There's too many people. There's not enough, uh, emergency, you know, there's not enough response teams mm-hmm. to, to assist mm-hmm. people. People get crazy. Not everybody does, but I think example shows in other parts of the world where there's, uh, areas of conflict and war that all you have to do is introduce the variable of, a, you know, of, of, you know, of a drought or something and people start killing each other, man. Absolutely. So, and I think it's, it could simply be, I don't know, simply, human beings are not simple, simple creatures. Oh, but, weird. Fuck no, we're complicated as fuck. But I think we overcomplicate it. But I think that if you just, if you just remove water and even someone who is self-realized or benign might get a little crazy. And then mm-hmm. you take someone who's not so evolved, who's self-absorbed, obsessed, uh, deluded, and has you know delusions of grandeur or has entitlement, which is another problem we're facing in our world. Mm-hmm. I think then you'll start dying, you're killing other people. People will kill you for water. So, uh, you know, I, I get back to the original point and observation is that I feel as if the some of the premise that people can't, if we could take a time out is my point. Yes. We might be on a better track. Oh, I don't think I, the method that is being enforced in that show is, is, uh, is attractive at all, but maybe there could be another way to figure oh, yeah. out. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think the point is, I don't think the children need the, the world needs any more children. That's my I, I very no. much agree. Yeah. On, on the, on the basis of that. Absolutely. We all need to stop having children. Reel it yeah. in. Yeah. Like reeled in for like a good, like what? 10 20 100 years 100 yeah just you know chill out chill just chill yeah. like my god like we yes <laughs> cuz like just just, like, just saying just oh saying, yeah we are going uh, to know. eventually run out of stuff and then we're going I'm to, a- to pass any law or anything i'm just no. just saying you know? no, no. i very it much agree nice. with that <laughs> yeah um so other than the high note of low population uh the show all not only you know does you know what it does to women like because it's like a, a christian christian like religion they don't really state um like where exactly it's it's just a, generic, a hard yeah. dose of extremism um so gays you know other you know people who like believe in other religion they're all targeted so it's not just women so it's kind of like, like tattooed a people. <laughs> yeah right yeah, 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 we're yeah, we are fucked. If that that's the I'm not case. talking about fashion tattoo world, I'm talking about the other the counter the real counterculture. You know? Yes. So yeah, it's definitely interesting. If you do get a chance, which you know you seem like a very busy man, but uh, if you ever do get a chance, it's on. You have a time, definitely check it out. Like check out like the first episode. Um, it's a very interesting look at. It's like a very interesting study of like humans like mm-hmm. put in like just the most re- outrageous situations that like you said could be pretty good if you know without the you know fascism and you know slavery and all that just take all that away and just give us <laughs> yeah let's you just know. Move. Yeah. yeah well let's just pick apart that and we'll you know we'll take what we like from it so uh, that's all that we've been watching let's go we'll ahead um the ego will do anything to preserve itself oh mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely my god um, all right, so that's it for what we've been watching. Uh, there's a good few uh, TV trailers that dropped. We haven't been recording for almost a month now. In fact, I think it's been a month. 
Um, I wasn't able to add every trailer. I actually took a couple away. Uh, so we're going to go over three trailers right now. Um, cool. Now, Robert, I know you don't really watch too much TV now. Um, but back in yeah, the day, I, 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 honestly, I'm just to be straight with you. I can, if I turn the television on after three minutes of channel surfing, I start having violent fantasies, man. I'm sorry. That's reality, dude. Hey, um, man. Yeah, it's too much pretense, dude. You got gossip. You got there's way too many ads. Um, oh yeah. Between the gossip, the materialism, you know, with these forums of 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 narcissism, man, and like do this, consume, conform. Re- it's basically they live. I feel like it's a the TV's a dictator. It's a fascist. It's just it's not Hitler, but it it sounds like Hitler to me. Absolutely. I feel like I'm being screamed at. And oh, look wow. at this, follow this, react to this, cue on this. It's brainwashing nonstop, 24-7. Anybody who can't see that has been brainwashed, man. Oh, yeah. We 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 do not have cable. We uh we pick and select very carefully like yeah. our our like what we watch. Like we my God. I we tried it's funny, like this is what I love about you know our show. Um we we have subjects we could talk about, but we kinda go off the rails and you know more so because of this, exactly. So we pick and choose basically what we watch. You know, uh, we yeah. have Netflix, we have Hulu, and all that stuff. But well, Am- you watch Amazon too; they have some pretty cool. They, their their lineup is pretty dynamic. They have. Mm-hmm. Pretty oh yeah, I'm a big fan of their um their pilot season, like where they have uh every year they like pick a few pilots and basically put them up so people can vote. I'm a big fan of that. In fact, this past season, I really enjoyed. Um, I think I believe it was called The Oasis and. Um, there was one more. It was a, I think it was a comedy. I can't remember. remember. I watched Burt Reynolds and Jill Clayburgh and starting over. It's a romantic comedy that was, Mm -hmm. uh, it came out in the 1980s. It's just a little plug. It's fantastic. Um, Plug is 30 years old. It's like, there is nothing wrong with that, but like you might, you'll probably agree with all this though. What we're about to say. So we tried live TV again. We, I personally have not had cable since like 17 i'm 12 years yeah i'm 28 now uh i haven't had cable since i was probably like early early teens so we decided to give like youtube tv a try and then there was a one more i think it was playstation view just to see like what why are people still clamoring about cable my fucking god i thought i was gonna scream uh, yeah every 10 minutes a commercial like peddling something that you should buy that'll make you hotter more attractive or faster, fast, stronger. yeah, faster, stronger, better. Um, <laughs> oh my god, that, I, I legitimately unsubscribed because it was a trial period. Immediately uninstalled, mm-hmm. unsubscribed, like the next day. Like, how do right people on. do that? Respect. I think Respect. what people forget is that you know yeah. you you have to be careful about what you consume and eat, but people don't think about that in terms of their brains. So they literally consume you know, television trash and just, you know, online, wherever they can find it. And they let that infiltrate their body and their brain. Permeates. It's yeah. A, yeah. It rots you. It's just as bad as eating nothing but junk food. It's just visual junk food. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even news. Like I can't even like, I'll, I mean, I, I pay attention to what's going on in the world, but I pay attention to like very strict specific websites that I trust, you know, that are trusted opposed to turning on local channel nine, well, you know, feed you the same trash. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. and they, and they say it with such chippy tones too. Like oh, oh, three, man, yeah. three, <laughs> local family of three was murdered today. <laughs> I think it's bizarre. Once you, once you start to wake up to that, how disingenuous you start to see all of it. And it, it's very toxic. 
Yes. Well said, Jessica. That's that's what I'm feeling. So, you know, I don't even have to drink coffee. After that, my nerves are rattled. Absolutely. A little, a little jittery. So, but but back onto the subject, though. Sure. Growing growing up, did you ever used to watch Star Trek, like with Kirk? Yes. Or, okay. Yes, I was a huge fan. Of, Excellent. Yes. I was my understanding not... is the new show is 10 years prior, correct? The characters are 10 years prior? Yeah, so it, it's prior. set in the classic, classic universe. Yet, you know, we've got everything uh, upgraded. So uh, for the listeners who don't know or, you know, didn't reach the show notes and just listening. So um, and also we're, again, like a month like behind. So you've everyone's pretty much already talked about. So we're just going to talk about our opinions here. But Star Trek Discovery, uh, it's going to be an ABC behind the paywall. We've complained a lot about ABC and their paywall. CBS, I think. Or CBS. Yeah. Oh, whatever. ABC, CBS, or whatever. Letters. Letters. Again, I don't do cable, so. Um so Star Trek Discovery is like Robert was saying, set ten years bef- like prior to the original Star Trek series, starring you know Captain Kirk and you know Spock and uh, all that. Um, so I've got a couple like feelings about it. So Robert, let's go ahead and start with you. So being someone who watched Star Trek growing up and knowing that this is set in a classic, uh, the classic timeline, and if you somehow had time. To watch television is this something um like this trailer give you enough to go huh if i could i'd probably watch this being a fan of the series i'm gonna be honest yo do please absolutely please be honest i watched the preview and with respect to everyone involved like they really care what i think but um (laughs) i think what i saw well let me first start with the original series i'll be brief social political commentary what I found fascinating about the original Star Trek is that it combined some of the uh, potential fantasies or ideas about science in the future. It also it also integrated very very effectively the social climate of our time of that mm-hmm. time, 1960s and 70s. And the characters were, you know, I mean, Leonard Nimoy, Spock, uh, William Shatner, Captain Kirk, DeForest Kelly is, you know, you know, uh, McCoy. I don't know, man. Those you have a I have a love affair with those characters because of their interpersonal relationships, very human, uh, and I think it's important to have characters that we can relate to in various walks of life. I think that's what makes people so. Some people attach to their shows, like they project onto various an ensemble, certain personality type. They, you know, if you have ten different people, there's going to be someone there you can relate to. I mean, um, when I looked at the trailer, mm-hmm. I did I think that visually, the the, the, the the visual element was very effective. The ship coming out of its dock and yeah. you know the, the makeup, all that stuff, the effect of it seemed very uh, intriguing and interesting. But when they started speaking, uh, <laughs> uh, not so human. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, yeah. Uh, it just felt to me. It just you know. So that's my. I don't know if I might. You know, if you sat me down and said, Robert, give it a shot. Just sit with us, Jessica and I. You know, come on. I'd sit with you and watch it. Maybe I'd be pleasantly surprised. But based on that preview. I don't. I don't look at any of it and go, "Wow, that's something there." That uh, like, "Oh, wow, that's." I don't didn't feel any of that. Sorry. No. Yeah, and I and I have something similar too, Jessica. How how do you feel? Like, because you just watched it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, before I, the I, episode. I just watched it, and I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And initially, you know, you see two women, and you're excited. Like at least for me, I was like, "Oh my gosh, female captains!" But the longer yeah. I watched the trailer, I felt like that's really all they were giving me. They were they were riding the coattails of look, we're being 
different by having female captains and we're going to have old school Klingons. And that's really all it gave me. I didn't have any depth. Like you said, the human connection. I thought they were trying to just show too much visually without giving me anything I could connect to and really hone in on to find that human element, which is what I like about Star Trek is it's humans in space. And this just so you felt feel like, like you're witnessing. So it's style over substance, right? Yeah. Style. Oh, absolutely. It feels as if they're like you said. They're right on the co- coattails of look at us. We got girls. Which, by the way, that is awesome. Yeah. But that's not the, that's not enough. Yeah, and then of course they're giving us you know flashy J.J. Abrams like visuals, which on its own, yeah, that looks pretty, and that looks like hell yeah. That's 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 a Star Trek. You know, it's it, we're in space, but. Yeah, uh, agreed. What, it's necessary. It's yeah, important. exactly. But what Robert was saying, like Star Trek, especially the the, fr- the original series, was something of its time. I mean, the um, I I'm horrible with actors and actresses' name. You know this. The lady who played Aurora, 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 um, Aurora yeah, yeah, good job, <laughs> me. Um, was she not like one of the first like like female African actresses? American. Yeah, yes. African American that was on like a. A well-known television mm-hmm. show. It was a huge deal. Um, and then yeah. of course back to like um again as well with what I was saying, you had these humans in space like meeting these other civilizations and a lot of political like it was it wasn't oh flashy lights and action because one they didn't have it at the time mm-hmm. and they did the best with it. So they had to could. rely more on character development. Yeah, exactly. And, and all I got from this was, hey, you, did you like J.J. Abrams' Star Trek? <laughs> You're going to give you a lot of that. But girl captains. Yeah, but girl captains. I had a moment in the trailer that actually minorly terrified me because like you like you said, Robert, the what Star Trek was able to bring to the, to the forefront and light up in its past has been something that was so – it was handled delicately – and you have this moment in this new trailer where the main female is saying, no, the Federation must strike first. And that makes me hit my brakes. Like, that is absolutely the mentality we should not be yeah. perpetuating. No, um, the Federation should not change its goals and strike first. Let's calm yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. Where, where's the political? Like, I mean, I get that they're trying to be political, but that's the opposite of the proper. But don't press the fire, the nuke button, please. Yes. Like, not yet. Like, <laughs> Let's move well, We've already button. done that, haven't we? Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. So many times. So, yeah, that's – no, I, I – I, I'm very happy that we are all on the same page because that would have been awkward if like one of us was like, fuck yeah, it looks awesome. <laughs> no, it looks it looks like not that great. I mean, I'm going to give it a chance because – It, just, it looks like it, laps, it lacks depth. Yes, it, it absolutely. It looks like more trash television. Um, Our next on the list of TV trailers that we're going to talk about, um, Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, so are either of you two familiar with Black Lightning? Um, a little bit. Okay, but Robert? very little bit. I watched the preview. Okay. And from what I saw – um, it seemed intriguing to me. I like. I really like the concept. Yes, yeah. I very much do as well. And I know Jessica, you have a you have some comments on it as well. So, um, Black Lightning. He's been around in DC lore for a very long time. In fact, um, back during the I think it was the Justice League Friends or the Justice Friends. Um, he there was a character that Black Lightning evolved from. He I think. I think it was called Black Thunder, or he might have been Black Lightning as well. But I think he, he was Black Lightning. Yeah. Um, so he's been around for a, a while, and to see him being brought back is very interesting. Now, I know, um, Robert, did you see Luke Cage at all, or have you uh, been aware of like the new series? Yeah, I know who he is. I know the actor. You asked me, yeah. Excellent. Oh, 
Is that the, the actor you're talking about, correct? Is that what you're asking me? Well, no, the the show. I mean, the uh, actor is my, oh. Michael Col Michael. Yeah. Col yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's not, is it a, a Netflix original or Amazon? I can't remember. Netflix. Which. You got it. Okay. God, yeah, I know what it is. Actually, so before we move on, this is for Tracy, and we will we will show Tracy. Uh, we'll let Tracy. Uh, Tracy is a friend of ours who very much enjoys the show. The actor, my, is he a cool guy to hang out with? Like, have you been able to hang out with him at all? Or you have met him, like, correct? Yes. Is he a cool guy? That's all we need to know. Very nice. Yeah, he's very nice. Yeah, very, yeah. There you go, Tracy. He's some a, people he's hit it guy. off with, they, you know, I think, yeah, for, for whatever reason, you know, his, his heart is, his heart felt very present. You know, he, and I didn't see any fear. Sometimes I feel when I meet people, even when I'm open, I still feel like they're projecting something and it makes me feel sad yeah. because I don't know what they're afraid of or I don't understand why there's positioning and posture. I can feel the you know, the this and I try to be open. Uh, I didn't feel that with him. Uh, I know it's a very competitive industry and it's, so I don't want to you know, tell a story here, but yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. I just felt like a lot of acceptance, no judgment, just love, man. It's just really nice. When you're very around cool. That. That's awesome. Our friend Tracy will be very happy with that. Um, so, no, yeah, Mike Cole seemed like a cool guy. But, um, oh, very. So, Luke Cage came out at a very interesting time. Um, we, every time you turn on the news, if you ever do, like, there's something of, there's a shoot, you know, a shooting, and usually it's a, uh, a black casualty. And it's continuing to, continuing to increase. No matter what they say, it's, it's happening everywhere. And it's, it's uh, horrible. Luke Cage came out at a time um, where you had a, a black superhero who was bulletproof. And the show did very well with, you know, how it approached everything. It approached everything very real. It wasn't, you know, yes, it's a Marvel show. So, of course, it's fantastical to a certain degree because you have superheroes. You're, you're in a universe where Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Hulk, and all of them, like, exist. But Luke Cage gave us a story that was very much grounded to a degree, you know, set in Harlem, uh, it, it didn't go out into the world and bring Iron Man to it. It was in the streets and in the neighborhoods. Uh, and that, and that's the kind of vibe I got from Black Lightning, that this was yeah. going to be a very close to home, um, you know, down to earth in a way, like story like that focuses on like, you know, an issue that we have going on right now. Um, so, no, I'm really excited about this. Now, this is on CW. Now, we'll get to your opinion, Jessica. I know you, you do have one, like, worry about it. Um, but this is going to be on a CW, which is right now really famous for, um, like, they have, like, The Flash and Arrow and uh, Legends of Tomorrow, which are all, like, DC characters, and they're all in a connected universe. Oh, yeah, and Supergirl, too. Um, this show is not going to be connected to any of those. This, this show is supposedly connected to... Like it's its own universe. They're they're trying to keep it as grounded as possible in a, a basically a world where a superhero exists. Um, so no, I'm I I'm absolutely I'm actually really excited about this. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Jessica, though, now you had a worry. Right. I I think the show looks cool. I think there is a lot of heart to it. I was involved with the characters in terms of what they were saying and the stories they were telling, but near the end of it. I start to realize that all I'm seeing is this grown man who wants to protect his city and has a lot of passion, but the enemies they're showing me he's fighting are all teenage youth. And I need this series to go beyond that because that, to me, that's just perpetuating a stigma and a fear. And they're not, you know, the heart of this cause, like they're victims of their own world. And that's not what he should be fighting. So to see this grown man just beating up teenagers and throwing teenagers into their car, 
I need it to go beyond that and dig a little deeper or I feel it might fall superficial and on its face. Good point. Yeah, no, I no, I can absolutely see that. And like I was telling uh I was telling you before uh before recording Jessica. Um I very much hope that the show is, does not that's the whole show. Absolutely there's always a head. Of course. Just some anchors, yeah. Yeah, right? Uh, but there's always a head to the problem. There's always, you know, like you said, they're they're, they're victims, they're mm-hmm. pawns. So I really hope you know they touch on that. Yeah, I just um, think, I worry that v- continuing to villainize black youth in America is not going to help the problem. It's going to you know what's make the root it cause, scarier. right? Hmm? What's the root cause, man? That's the question. Yeah. Is what causes it all? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what occurred to me when I watched the preview, Joseph and Jessica, was that if I was asked to audition for that show where I was considered as a, a, a character on that show. Mm-hmm. I, th- I The first thing that occurred to me, they'd probably want me to play, or yeah, they'd probably want me to portray something uh, ominous. Uh, not yeah. part of the solution, but part of the problem. So that's the only uh, downside. I felt, When I looked at it, I thought, okay. Because I saw, you, I, I can associate, here's the thing, I don't have to be African-American to know what it's like to be profiled. I get profiled all the time. Absolutely. When I travel around the world to Europe, I go through customs, when I go to Canada, you know, I get, you know, I feel like, and I grew up in, even though my last name is Italian, man, I grew up with mostly predominantly, predominantly like African-American and Latino communities, man. So mm-hmm. um, that's my socialization. And when I walk around here in Vancouver, it's a beautiful city and everything. I'm not trying to trash Canada. And I'll be brief. But this city is very materialistic, man. A yeah. lot of glass towers, a lot of money here, you know, top of the line, you know, labels and people driving fancy cars. And I'm not knocking that, I guess. I mean, I don't know. But I walk around and I don't know, man, I don't feel a lot of soul. And I also, when I go into the stores, people follow me around. Security guards follow me around. I'm just there to shop. You know, I'm staying yeah. here in the So I know what it's like to feel like everywhere you go, there's a sign that says no trespassing. Stay in your community. Oh, you look like this. You should be with these people. What are you doing in our city, man? Mm-hmm. What are you doing in our neighborhood? Get out of here. We're going to call the cops on you. I know what that's like, man. So, um. I think the show is promising. Uh, Black Lightning is promising. And yeah, maybe if the, if the writers, who knows what, what their constraints are in terms of the politic play. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the storylines could go in the way of corporations and challenging that structure. Which would be amazing. Seeing what's propagating, uh, you know, our, dis- our impoverished situation, you know, our impoverished communities. What, what perpetuates, what creates those situations where people are struggling so much that they have to consider a life of drug dealing. Mm-hmm. And who are the puppeteers of that situation you know is it the people themselves or you know or is there some unseen variable that contributes to the degeneration of a a particular culture why does this keep happening so these are these i think storylines that have to be considered maybe they might be too controversial though i don't know yeah yeah, no, yeah, you're you're right. You're you're not wrong. No, that's it. That, <laughs> and that's what I would love Black Lightning to be able to explore because I think it's a good medium to continue to uh, you know undo that puzzle. So we'll see. It looks promising. I just yeah, I need man. I need more step depth. in the right direction, right? Jessica? Absolutely. Yeah, I I feel we absolutely need more shows like this because these are the kind of heroes. Like my favorite hero is Spider Man. Yeah, he's he's more super superhero, fantastic. You know, big wig or whatever. Yeah, he's a kind of a big deal. He's Spider Man. But um, I love my favorite types of heroes are the ones that are more so down to earth and more involved opposed to like saving the world they're you know worry about saving their town or their, their neighborhood something like that so that's why I very much enjoy uh what netflix has been putting out with daredevil luke cage jessica jones stuff like that um so our last trailer of um our tv so 
even if you've never seen Game of Thrones before, you've absolutely heard of Game of Thrones. Robert, have you seen any of Game of Thrones? No, I saw the preview, though. Okay, uh, so... And I we're... will say that I did watch Beckett the other night with uh, Peter O'Toole and Richard Burton. So I have quite... Uh, I'm quite a connoisseur of classical theater mm-hmm. and themes. You know, Henry VIII, Henry II. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a student of all of that particular time in history. Uh, with respect to Game of Thrones, they're not the first to uh, communicate, propagate that mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, some Excellent. of the greatest actors who've ever walked the stage or been, appeared in uh, British and American theater have, you know, uh, been a, a part of those, you know, film collaborations for the last mm-hmm. three, four decades. Prior to, I think Game of Thrones probably takes some of its inspiration from the classics, which I'm always watching, the original Excalibur. Oh, absolutely. Um, and of a Thousand Days, which is based on, you know, uh, Henry VIII's relationship with mm-hmm. Anne and, and that whole that whole kind of thing. And um uh, uh, Man for All Seasons, which is also another aspect of that same story that focuses on uh, Thomas, uh, the, the Chancellor of, of England at that time, played by Paul Schofield. So I, I just I watch a lot of the classics. Uh, and what I'm seeing, I feel to some extent, is, is derivative. It's great product. But I feel mm-hmm. like what I'm watching, I've seen prior to. It's, you know, it's, it's basically um, re- revamped and, and, and rebooted so to, to suit the... Uh, the audiences of the 21st century. I can see the aesthetic, you know, okay. and it's very, fa- it's, it's, it's really uh, amazing. That's so, so let's do this here real quick. So Robert, we're going to put you on hold for a second because sure. I'm, I'm going to ask you like just basically one question after me and Jessica talk real quick. So uh, I think it'll be fun. So Jessica, first off, you and me, are you down for this? Because yeah. I'm absolutely, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, excited. I'm really excited about it. I'm this. excited in a lot of ways, but part of that's to have my story wrapped up in yes. Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm ready for the conclusion. Yes. Um. I mean, they didn't really give too much of what, what you know, like those actual questions being answered, yeah. but still looks damn pretty. So be a good ride. that goes back to Robert. So you have never, you know, you as of, you know, never seeing Game of Thrones and seeing this preview. Tell me right now, off of this preview, what the hell is happening in this show? What is this show about? <laughs> Just from what you've seen in the preview. He's thinking. He's mulling it over. It's a continuation mm-hmm. of man's mm-hmm. struggle within various principles and powers to dominate the world and each other. Shit, That's he's, awesome. yeah, he's pretty That's much so nailed good. it. Oh, God. I love oh, it. Okay, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that worked out really well. I was expecting. See, my, my answer would have been there's a dragon. <laughs> yeah, and there's that's a dragon. That's about all I got. Like, Robert had a phenomenal answer. That was beautiful. Yeah, that was. That was philosophical. Yeah, I was like literally what I expected and what I got, what I got was so much better than what like I was thinking. I was thinking more of like there's a dragon, multiple dragons. And a war. No, he gave us a very deep answer that makes me now go back and rethink the whole series. Yeah, now I'm going to rewatch the trailer. I love it. <laughs> all right. So that's it for TV just trailers. It's one element. It's one element. That's all. Mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely. In it's the just end, the it's... Subtext. That's all. It's just the subtext. Yeah, in the end, it's all, like, pretty much any... Like, any well, it's like, more detailed. As you get involved in the stories and the characters, it, it, it communicates much more detail. You can't just, you know, make a broad-stroke philosophical statement about the state of affairs. The storylines, it's detailed. There's characters, the, how they struggle with within that, within that, you know, that mm-hmm. conflict. Yeah. And you get, and obviously, you get very involved. You want to know what happens to them. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. this is, a, it's more it, interesting too oh. because, um, 
this season like their hbo is has has split up uh normal seasons i think run like 14 13 14 episodes, yeah, 13 14 yeah. episodes and uh these next last two seasons uh which are going to be coming out before even the books come out um to finish the story um is being like split up into seven like six to seven episode seasons uh so basically they could wrap everything up with like one big amazing season but of course they're splitting it up into two small seasons because money money get those ratings which whatever i mean that's great read that was funny yeah no doubt (laughs) no absolutely (laughs) welcome (laughs) welcome to the uh stupid podcast where joseph makes really stupid voices um all right so that wraps up uh tv trailers let's get right into tv news because we are running a little bit behind uh we've Uh talked about a little bit briefly um judge dread is coming back to the small screen now you have not seen Dread, the most recent Judge Dread uh, movie, correct? Did you ever oh. see the original Sylvester yes. Stallone? Okay, so you get the basic press, uh, the the idea of it exists in a world where basically yes. the cops are judge, juror, executioner, um, yes. which again is very topical with what we've been talking about uh, this episode so far. Uh, a possible future, maybe? Who knows? Uh, well, Dread was not very well received, um, box office wise in the theaters, but it gained a ridiculous cult following uh, for the most most recent Dread movie. Um, well, there's fans and there's bankers, man. Like, yeah. Are we bankers or are we are we fans? Uh, exactly. We, how much do we care about numbers? Mm-hmm. It always freaks me out when people tally. I'm not saying you, but other artists I know who know all the numbers. Like, how do you? How, how do you have time to pay attention to this stuff, mm-hmm. man? Aren't you busy learning your lines or performing your your, your craft on stage? All of a sudden, there's this, this preoccupation with mathematics. The numer- the the, uh, the uh, excuse me, the numerical concern freaks me out, man. Oh, like, exactly. I know it's business, but like, mm-hmm. I guess that's for the bankers, isn't it? And the people who produce this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like I like I was said earlier, like we have a subject here a little in a little bit that I think exactly is is all of that. And again, we'll talk about that uh, momentarily. Yeah. Um, but, um, we have to move along. Oh, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. <laughs> uh, so Judge Dredd is coming back uh, to the small screen. So uh, Dredd, like I said, didn't do very well box office, but it gained a cult following. Fans loved it. Um, Carl Urban, everyone loves Carl Urban as Dredd, uh, at least the fans. Like, he did a, yeah. a fantastic job. Uh, well, not only is Dredd coming to the small screen, right now it it's, has no publisher yet, so we don't know if it's going to be on uh, like a streaming service like Netflix or Hulu, or if it's going to be on television. Here's ho- I'm hoping, of course, it comes to Netflix or Hulu. So it's. I think you know, there's more Netflix. eyeballs on it when it's in that on platform, multimedia platforms, right? Than yeah. just the traditional theater situation now, right? Because yeah. so many people have access, right? Or no? Yeah, and there's much more freedom uh, nowadays okay. with streaming, or with like Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that, opposed to you know cable television where right. where they're limited and they can't say certain words because they're dirty words and you know mothers will get angry. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, you know, of course, you know, here's hoping it comes out to a streaming service. Um, one of the cool things, though, is the producer of the TV show, uh, it's, I believe it's going to be called uh, Dread Mega City One, uh, is the producer wants Carl Urban to come back, uh, which is what's cool about this possibility of Carl Urban coming back is that it actually is a possibility because uh, he has done TV before. Um, he's not he's not new to television whatsoever. Yes, I know he's uh more recently, he's been in Star Trek movies, and I'm sure he's been in other movies, but I'm really bad at remembering names, so we won't go that direction. 
but uh, and he's fantastic in those movies. But uh, he's not new to television. He's not a stranger to it. So I, I here's hoping because I do know he personally was as well pushing for a sequel to Dread. Uh, he enjoyed playing the movie. He enjoyed his co co stars. Uh, and you know, he really wanted it. So here's hoping that they work out some deal because uh, yeah. it's a great series. Yeah. 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 Not? And the fans want it. So. Like to develop a whole new fight. Sounds to me like he developed a whole new fan base. Mm-hmm. Hey, it Everybody happens. Goes to theaters anymore. Right. So, I mean, I don't like going to the movie theaters anymore. It's, just, it's, it's too, it's too noisy. It's strenuous. It's definitely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and we, cause we go that. to a lot. Yeah. We go to a lot of midnight releases and like early, not early showing, but like, you know, night opening movie, nights. Yeah. Whew. It, it it can be rough. But speaking yeah. of like like fans, uh, real quick, and we won't stay on the subject too long. But um, Deadpool is a perfect example. Now, yes, that's more of a movie. Uh, but Ryan Re- Ryan Reynolds personally like fought alongside fans to get that movie made to uh, get it pushed to a rated R. Um, because you know the fans and himself believed that, that it was the only true way of making you know a proper movie. And hell, like look how well it did. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like it just show you know goes to show you that you know if you got the right fan base and you got the right people behind it and stars that are actually enjoy you know they they love they enjoy those roles and there you go. Sure. Yeah. Um. Sure. Next on the uh, on TV news, uh, slip of the tongue might have revealed Netflix Netflix's Punisher debut. Um. So Punisher debuted. Um, it, during Daredevil season two on Netflix, he was uh, Carl, Ur- uh, not Carl Urban. Now I've got Carl Urban stuck in my mind. Uh, John Bernthal um, played uh, Frank Castle, the Punisher, did a fantastic job. And then, of course, be I think even before Daredevil season two ended, it was already rumored, uh, and then eventually announced that he was going to be getting his own series. Um, f- he is an amazing actor uh, and was perfect for this role. Uh, as Punisher, like he did just a fucking fantastic job, and now he's getting his own show, which is great. But um, during some interview, I believe one of the directors of an episode stated that um, uh, that their episode wouldn't be airing until November. Uh, and as of right now, there is no official release date for Punisher, so it looks like we might be getting Punisher sometime in November. That makes sense. That's about the time they released uh, Luke Cage last year was October, November. So that falls right in line with their release schedule. So it's not... Really a surprise, but it's still exciting news. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I got nothing else to say. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Are you familiar with um, The Punisher, Robert? No? Okay. I know, I've seen the t-shirt. <laughs> it's a white skull, right? Yeah, that's right. You got it. Yeah. Now this, uh, this is, I'm probably going to title this episode something on the lines of, uh, Hey, Robert, you should check this out. Or, hey, Robert, watch this. Robert, we yeah, Robert enters the 21st century. Oh my God, that's it! You got it. You just named this uh, the title of this episode. Fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, another TV show that I grew up watching. I think maybe we all grew up watching as a kid. Tales from the Crypt. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so this was announced months ago that we were going to be getting a reboot um, for the New Age. Uh, yeah. minus the Crypt Keeper. Bummer. Yeah, so it's like, wait, Bummer. how... how, that's, how... Come on, man. That's the, that's the ultimate mascot, man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason behind it was due to um, some copyright laws. Like, basically, that character belonged oh. to 
some studio, whatever the case. It's like the the comic was owned by one studio, and you had a conflict of interest with who actually owned the character. Mm -hmm. It was it was a bizarre Game of Thrones. Yeah, there you go. Yes, absolutely. Um, So the show was gonna go like push forward, I guess, without the Crypt Keeper by going apparently off of the original character that told these stories. So in the uh, comic, I believe. Uh, the Crypt Keeper didn't exist, or like, at least not the, the crazy animatronic, you know, skeleton creepy thing. Uh, it was like, I believe, just a hooded figure that just, you know, told us stories, which whatever, uh, I, that doesn't sound interesting to me at all. Like, I mean, yeah. I could go outside at any point in time, a hooded figure, hooded figure could tell me a story. It's probably not good. Unless their content is so mind-blowing, Joseph, that you forget. Yeah. Reintroduce it, you know, so old, let's make it new. And then, you know, do a bang up job, then you may forget. I hate to say that, but you never know. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Well, the show, so I don't know. Well, I guess uh, the the producers of the show uh, didn't feel like they had enough amazing uh, content because the show's now canceled. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, listen, I feel as if there are some shows and movies that should just stay, stay at the original content and that be it. Go back, revisit it. And, that, that's all. And again, <laughs> the subject I keep like looming over that we'll talk about here soon. Like it, it's kind of the same situation where just don't touch some stuff. Let it be. Mm-hmm. It's um, a shame because I like the old story. Uh, I like Tales from the Crypts. I like store. Uh, I like shows like that. You know, you had Vampira back in the day yeah. where she would host these horror movies or horror mini episodes. Yeah. Elvira did it. The Crypt Keeper did it. So it's not that this was an original concept. It's, not surprising, but shocking to me that they couldn't think outside the box enough to move forward. They they felt they only had a show if they could have this one icon, and then they just they weren't unique or inventive enough to do something new. So that's a shame. Yeah, womp womp. But whatever, they <laughs> can't do anything about it. It's, it's dead. And yeah. I think my me personally, I'm glad. Just don't don't ruin that's that fine. for me. Mm-hmm um speaking of uh shows being brought back this is actually something i am for but of course i am uh very cautious about it um so steven spielberg and warner brothers are bringing animaniacs back to television uh so animaniacs was what it was aired like 1999 93 no yeah, it was like 90, 93 to i think 99 yeah like something sense. along those lines uh robert are you aware of the animaniacs okay so I, what, what was that's cool fine. about Animaniacs was it was this Warner Brothers cartoon that was for children, but really had a lot of social commentary for adults mm. to enjoy. So it mm. really it really did a lot for its time as a cartoon. It had a lot of political undertones mm-hmm. that it wasn't afraid to comment on because it could hide them behind a colorful background. And I think it really helped shape, you know, the the youth to be able to be a little more open, to think outside of just... Roadrunner being chased by Coyote, but now the idea of bringing it back seems just tarnished. I don't think it's necessary. Um, I disagree with your joy, <laughs> Joseph. That's fine. You can disagree. We, that, that's what we're all here for. We're here about opinions. <laughs> um, no, what made the show great for the time uh, is exactly that what you were saying. Like They made a lot of references and jokes that the younger audience wouldn't get like talking about like scripts and contracts for actors and, you know, making fun of actors, not wanting to do certain things, uh, like for whatever reason, it, it was great commentary. And what makes the show great still to this day is now you can go back as an adult and rewatch the, the original show. And it's like, 
watching it for the first time because now you're understanding all these adult jokes that you know you just didn't get as a kid it's like watching uh, a woody allen film because he has so many of the obscure references you have to mm-hmm. look them up yeah like as when you know younger you wouldn't get it but then going back as an adult you're like oh my god this was much funnier than mm-hmm. i thought it was i was just laughing because you know someone got an anvil dropped on their head but uh the joke they made before that was so much funnier yeah so no um i think that if done right this could be great because look at look at all like the I wouldn't say drama, but look at all the craziness. I mean, look at what we just talked about with Robert mm-hmm. of all the like the, the behind the scenes of what you know goes into movies and you know auditioning and things like that. Like I feel as if there is so much, so much new content that they could like poke fun of as long as it's done right. That I think. See, it could but be I have great. a feel. I like my fear is that TV's so neutered and that not a lot of people are willing to tackle the big issues anymore. So that's where my concern with the cartoon is: is it won't have that charm because it's terrifying to speak out against the norm these days. It's it's you know they they risk the money they could make by just making a nice cartoon by speaking out against political or social social economic issues. Mm. So I don't know that they really have the balls to do it. Mm, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they have the balls. And again, like we were saying before, with um, the difference between cable television and streaming, it could possibly have. Uh, if it could come out to streaming, they might have more leeway to make fun and make yes. those name drops and stuff like that. So, yes. yeah, we're all yeah. for streaming here. Yeah, the platform. Yeah, I think the platform is something like based on what you described is key in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so that wraps up TV. We're now moving on to movies. We are as moving this train along. Chugga, chugga. That's what trains make for whatever reason. I don't know why. I never got that. Oh, the steam ones. Never mind. I got it all. <laughs> it's all rushing back to me. Cool. <laughs> so we're not going to get uh, in too in-depth this uh, with the movies that we watched, uh, just for the fact that, again, we're running a little bit behind. But uh, Jessica and I, we watched uh, three, at least three movies we can talk about real briefly. Um, so John Wick 2. Came out the DVD recently. That was awesome. Um, fantastic. That was a fun movie. It was just fun. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm going to watch it. I saw the first one. I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, yeah I was surprised. Really enjoyed it. Terrific. Yeah, can't wait. To, okay, so part two is off the hook. Right on. Yeah, mm-hmm. part two is out. And the best part about it is it picks up, and I won't go into spoilers, no worries, picks up directly after the first movie. So there's no real, there's no real wait. What's, so. what's cool is it looks like what they're trying to do with the John Wick movies is instead of treating them like sequels, they're chapters in this grand story they're trying to tell. So okay. I think that's a really neat approach, and it actually adds to the charm of that universe they're creating. Yeah. Ooh. like If you enjoyed the first one, like what makes this movie so great is the world they built or they teased with you with in the first movie, they yeah. expand on what they gave you. And okay. they they answer some of those questions you may have been asking about the world, and then so, they they open new questions. Mm-hmm. So it it's, it was a damn damn right. And I remember reading and watching uh, um, Keanu Reeves like preparing for this movie and going through all of his training and like you know on the using like real guns and you know fake uh, and like, going through all these courses with uh, what's her name. Wow. Oh, he was training with Charlize because she was getting ready to do Atomic Blonde or whatever that movie. I think that's what it's called. Her her female John Wick style movie. Yeah. So yeah, if you like yeah, if you like John Wick one, yeah, you're gonna love two cool. man. Yeah, it, it, check it out. Uh, um, we also watched um, Colossal, mm-hmm. which was I, I don't know if this was an indie movie or not. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think it was pretty pretty big. I'll let you because like, I'm I'm. Okay, so Colossal. 
if you if you watch the trailer, it's an Anne Hathaway movie. That's, um, that's why I didn't say. It. That's why I didn't want to talk about because I couldn't remember the actress yeah. that played the main. Character. And and I think Anne Hathaway is great. She's done some really good stuff. But this movie, it she somehow has this connection to a monster, and what she does, like Godzilla. Yeah, what she does here in the United States, that monster is doing in Korea. So it starts out with this very bizarre premise. But what, what it is at its heart is this... It's sci-fi fantasy? Sounds yeah, like sci-fi fantasy. Kind of, but it's it, it tried to be a commentary on abuse because at the end she stands up to her abuser and that's okay. all well and good except she does it as this beast. So it's not actually like okay. her being able to grow. She has to stand behind this monster to save her. And I like I have a, I have a big problem with kind of romanticizing the idea of standing up to your abuser. It's not easy, and it, it needed to be handled a little bit better than that, I thought. But yeah. I don't always get what I want out of a movie, so that's okay. Or that, yeah. <laughs> I just, I thought it had a really, it, it, if it had just been a fun, lighthearted movie, I think I would have enjoyed it. But the messages they were trying to tackle, they ta- tackled so poorly and cumbersome that I was really disenchanted with it about halfway through so you think to some extent they trivialized the, the they uh, did i i felt like they they just kind of trivialized the idea of abuse and you know girls that are abused by people don't just have a big monster to come fight their battles it takes a lot more strength than that and that was totally uh, washed over okay yeah i could i could see that absolutely yeah. the monster was cute though <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah. the <laughs> So the last movie that we watched, uh, Wonder Woman. So if you didn't hear, that movie dropped. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fucking cool. cool. <laughs> I was so happy. Yeah, personally, and I know, you know, not only just, not just personally, and you know, a lot of people have been saying it, DC finally got a, a hit. Like this was this was the movie they needed yeah. to show that they could produce something that the fans would love, as well as the box office. Um, which, you know, again, we're going to talk about, it's, it's a big problem. Like a movie can come out. Let's like, let's just say Batman versus Superman, for example, and critically and fan wise, it like, you know, people are going, eh, it really wasn't that great of a movie. And then of course it makes millions of dollars. And so, so they they're don't like, change anything. yeah, they don't change yeah. anything. And they're because like, all right, they're here getting comes the sequel. revenue despite fans being unhappy. And it's just, it's a really weird circle to be stuck in as a, as a fan and moviegoer to not be heard and we hadn't we hadn't been heard well, by dc in so long yeah well good yeah i'm glad there's a there's a yeah there's a, some kind of consolation in the other camp mm-hmm. deliver what's necessary you know food for the, the soul or, you know whatever the, what's, what was missing in the others yes absolutely and, and i said this um to you and our friend when we saw it but i will say uh this and you know maybe we can talk about it maybe not um one the movie was great and it hit a lot of great points and you have this, you know, female superhero who now we finally have our first female superhero like movie and it did really well. Yeah. Um, but it kind of made me like, like look at what's going on in the world today with, you know, you've got all these horrible things going on all around the world. Well, yeah. Man versus man is everywhere. Yeah. Man versus man, you know, everywhere via, you know, base out, you know, whether it be, you know, religion because of religion base, whether it be because of, you know, like really anything it's just there's killing going on yeah I mean, whatever the case is and this movie gave us this idea of like it's during world war one the war to end all wars um 
and there it, it doesn't seem that there's like there's a lot of hope in this world and then you've got you know diana shows up you know as wonder woman and you know she does a lot of good in a very short span like mm-hmm. she's a superhero so in a very short span they cross the trenches they uh decimate uh, 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 an encampment, like a bunker, basically, in a way. Uh, and it's awesome. Everyone's happy. People who were, like, you know, like, locked up or, you know, hiding, they were able to come out and rejoice because the superhero, you know, saved their lives and made things better. And it made me, like, think about the real world and go, go, where is our superhero? Like, we don't have that in this, like, world. People are still, like, there's still horrible people like things happening and people die, innocent people dying and, and made me go, wow, these movies are really polarizing. And like, they're fantastical to a certain degree, like to an extent. Like the gravity uh, shift, right? Gravity. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you walk out of the theater, you walk out of the theater and you're like, oh, this is the real world. Oh, mm-hmm. let me go back in there. That was much funner. I think the, the, the way I, th- I feel that that movie made you feel that way because what makes Diana unique is she's not fighting for any one faction or man she is literally fighting the greek god Ares, who has poisoned mankind but if you look at a movie and you don't have that element and you just have a superhero on one side or the other well to one side that's a hero to the other side it's a villain there's not that same ability to unite mankind which is what i think made diana so fantastic is she wasn't there to win the war she was there to unite man which is a really interesting concept Sounds too that they weren't afraid to point out the dilemma, more or less. What yeah. The dilemma, what the root the, causes, what what propels the conflict, what what's behind, you know, who's who's you know. Absolutely. One of, the, one of the really neat things they do in the movie is they make sure to point out everybody's flaw. Like there, there's a Native American in the movie, and Diana Wonder Woman is speaking to him and asking him what side of the war he's on, and he's like, "Well, I'm not on any side. My land was taken." And, you know, she asks by who she's mortified by this. And he makes an offhanded comment that, you know, it was due to Chris Pine characters, you know, ancestry that the white man stole from him. But they're still on the same, you know, unified land. And it it did so well to point out that all men are flawed, not the Americans are the good guys. The British, like all men are flawed. And that was what really, I think, added to this movie is she was there to bring them all together not just to win the war that's for tremendously one side. courageous on the part of the filmmakers isn't it absolutely. absolutely yes that that was a step i didn't think they would do and i like i had a really solid moment of this is something you can show that everyone is done wrong and yeah. everyone has crimes they need to you know repent for in a way and i, yeah. I think that was a really beautiful moment that they they tackled very well right on. Yeah. I, I agree um, Robert, have you watched any movies? You know, like I, I, I know you said you haven't watched much. So be, before I move, I on. saw The Arrival. Oh, I called The Arrival. I enjoyed that thoroughly. I thought it was one of the most, probably the most intelligent and insightful, in my opinion, approach to that subject matter. Oh, excellent! We were huge fans of the movie as well. Like we thought it approached, it approached everything so well, and. I love that the the alien species was very unique. They didn't do any you know stereotypical you know you know big headed, big eyed you know little green man. It was yeah, uh, that, yeah that's that cosmic Bible fundamentalist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, and it just it did. It was very well done. And that movie, yeah. for being a sci-fi movie, explored man's interaction with man more than anything, which was also really interesting. Yeah, man. You know, yeah. I mean, it 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 it, it encompassed so many elements. You know, the, mm-hmm. you know, the contraction of the heart, the surrender, the surrendering of of that, the letting go, of uh, you know, mercy, um, the you know the uh, not you know obviously. The aspect of science that's considered revolutionary, you know, the, the metaphysical aspect of things, the timeline. That, mm-hmm. you know, oh, absolutely. The, the character pointing out that female character pointing out that they, the aliens don't see time the same way we do is mine was, I think, a leap, a quantum leap mm-hmm. for, you know, in terms of the writing to be, uh, for that to be communicated uh, in a film like that. For people mm-hmm. to start to consider the possibility of. The, the world, you know, what the uh, to to reconsider the possibility of the perceived mechanics of our world because we've been trained to believe, you know, certain certain things. And I think that this film, if you're ready for it and have done some research prior to the film, will be can be inspiring mm-hmm. when you consider the possibility that time, space, who we are as finite beings, and all this can be revisited in a way that's more hopeful and mm-hmm. not so destructive and all oh, the aliens are coming, let's cower or oh, the aliens, the aliens are our salvation. We have a responsibility socially and in our relationships with one another, in our families. And I think the movie was able to communicate all these different themes simultaneously. And that was the genius of it. I think. Absolutely. Like when you look at uh, sci-fi movies, like, that go into space and show us ancient civilizations and all that cool jazz. Like Guardians, great, you know, fun movie. Star Trek, you know, we just talked about that. You know, it, it can be, it can be great. Um, almost all the aliens, human, humanoid, uh, some form like English or you know, always like super translated into English for us, for the viewers, so we don't have to put too much thought into it. But this movie gave us a whole new idea. It basically reminded us, hey. We are a tiny little speck in our comprehension of like what is out there. We we pro- we have no idea. Mm-hmm. We have absolutely no idea. And this is a possibility of what could be out there. And yeah, it did very well. I thought I thought it yeah, very well explaining that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and which I think there's a freedom in that, isn't there? Absolutely. Let go absolutely. Of some of the ideas and the fundamentals that have, that bind us, right? Yeah, who knows? There might be a uh, there might be a higher race of beings out there that are just well, clouds of I gas. I think it was also really clever on the part of the filmmakers was that in one sequence during the film, one of the aliens that's referred to as Abbott, I think, mm-hmm. um, was having to go through what the alien described as the death process, which means mm-hmm. that the aliens, as super realized as they are, or as technically advanced as they may appear, still fall or at least have to adhere. To the laws of the creation or God, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that they still are mortal. And as yeah. evolved as they are, or they live 100 years or 5,000 years, eventually they have to transition into the next experience within the realm. They're not impervious and they're mortal, which means yeah. they're not God. And I think the tendency is to make aliens God, like yeah. a cosmic Bible, to mm-hmm. save us from ourselves when it's only just maybe, you know, a kind of desperate attempt at a new religion. You know? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, absolutely. So, no, that's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it too. And I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good talking point. Much needed.
Absolutely. Yes, it's very refreshing. Yeah, definitely, definitely refreshing. Yeah, especially you know amongst like all the crazy superhero movies that involve yeah, that involve like aliens and stuff, or yeah. you know just alien invasion movies that oh aliens are evil and you know they want to kill us or vice versa. Like I said, well, yeah, they're human right? they and all eat that. Us. Yeah, yeah the rep- well, that's the reptilian, the fear aspect of our consciousness. That's you know fear of death, fear of something greater, bigger to threaten us. You know, mm-hmm. we have to be superior on on top of the food chain and all this. I think yep. maybe. Even a film like this that we're talking about with respect to Steven Spielberg might have intimidated even him when he reconsidered his own vision. Yeah, yeah true. Um, all right, that's, that's it for what we've been watching. Uh, we do have a big chunk of movie news. I might have to shade this down for the show. So let's go ahead and get into the first. Um, oh, you were absolutely fine. No worries. Like, that, that, like When I approached you at Inked and Geeked uh, asking you if you would be interested in being uh, on the show, um, I think I told you something along the lines of we're not – we're not really scripted. Like, it's not like I had a list of questions to ask you, um, okay. uh, like earlier, it was kind of like, I had an idea of a couple things I want to ask you. And then okay. just kind of, you know, goes. this whole show is just us talking. It's just a bunch of people talking about nerdy stuff and things that interest us. And if it goes off the rails and we get into an in-depth conversation of like, you know, like we just did on aliens and how like refreshing, you know, something like this can be, Fuck it. Who cares? Well, yeah, we're not That's here the to be yeah. the late breaking news. We're here to, you know, be passionate people and hopefully talk about something that at least at some point somebody's interested in hearing. Yeah. And, some, and, you know, and hopefully entertain our audience. Yes. Yeah. That, that <laughs> as well. Who <laughs> knows? You usually know. the goal. It's yeah. Key. It's, it's a piece of it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, more listenership. Ooh. Uh, we yeah. love you listeners. Please, please. <laughs> please continue love us um so into movie news um our first article uh so anyone who listens to our show uh, knows that i'm a huge kaiju fan i grew up uh instead of watching saturday morning cartoons on fox like fox kids or whatever um i grew up watching sci-fi channel mystery science theater uh black and white godzilla movies you know on right sci-fi on. channel uh that was my childhood uh, my humor and like my interest was based off, you know, the, the weird and the strange opposed to what, you know, everyone else was like, this is what you should like. Uh, so I, I had mixed feelings about the 2014 Godzilla reboot, like the American version. Yeah. Like I, um, the fact that they cock teased us with Brian Cranston as like this big, you know, like character in the movie and they killed him in like 20 minutes and gave us his kid who who the fuck cared about this kid uh i don't remember his name i mean i mind you i don't remember brian Cranston's name you don't care yeah i just don't care exactly it's like it's a second it's not even a second thought uh so again you know being a big breaking bad fan i was like oh fuck yeah godzilla and brian cranston this is gonna be the shit 20 minutes in Okay, he's gonna he's 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 just sleeping, right? No, he's dead. No, we're gonna follow this guy. Okay. Um then on top of that, uh during the whole film, Robert, I don't know if you know, but the the this movie I think was close to two hour running time, right? Very long movie. There is a total of eight minutes and some change of Godzilla actually in the film. I know. It's fucking insane. Like that was, it was a little infuriating. Like yeah. I remember I remember watching the movie with like a close friend of mine and uh, like something was happening in Godzilla. Like you see like a, a bit of Godzilla. And I looked to him like, it's about to happen. We're going to see. It. No, no. Okay. No, they just cut away. Okay. It's a new scene. All right. Um, 
Yeah, up until like what the last last like ten minutes of the film. Whatever the case is, um, I still had high hopes for it, especially when Legendary Pictures uh, bought the movie rights to King Kong maybe two three years ago, mm-hmm. um, with the rumor that they might pit Godzilla against King Kong. Like, why why else would Legendary Pictures, who owns Godzilla, the American rights, like do that? Yeah. Well, then. Maybe, I, I don't know, like less than a year later, it was official that uh, Godzilla was going to go up against, you know, uh, King Kong. And the world rejoiced uh, because the last Godzilla King Kong movie we had was Toho. And it's not that great. Mind you, the majority of the old school Godzilla movies going back and watching them as an adult. They're not that great. Um, they're literally just a bunch, you know, like 30 minutes, 40 minutes of like human story. And then the rest of it is like some guys in some rubber suits. Well, that goes back to our ability to imagine because yes! we played as kids with toys a lot. We didn't have machines to do it for us. We did it with our mm-hmm. imaginations. I dare say those films required more of their audience, which we had no problem assisting because we didn't have the frame of reference that we do now. Absolutely. Um, and that's, I think, I wouldn't say I'm peculiar. I don't know. I don't want to describe myself or like analyze myself, but I, I'm probably not the most normal person. And I have a shrine of Godzilla. You can't see. Well, yeah, I don't have my video on, so you couldn't see anyway. But I'm I have a shrine of Godzilla. The, I'm the same way with the Ray Harryhausen films, the Seven Voyages yes. Sinbad, the Golden Voyages Sinbad. I don't have a bunch of uh, of uh, figurines, but I tattooed some of the monsters on my on, on the body. That's body. amazing. Yes, I have. Uh, I have at the moment. I have two Godzilla tattoos of my in my collection and I already had plans on my whole left arm being um, Godzilla and my giant monster themed. Cool. Uh, uh, and yeah, I have no power ranger tattoos. Maybe, maybe that's saying something. <laughs> wow. Um, but no, uh, so back to Godzilla versus King Kong. Um, so it's been official now for a couple of years. Uh, but now as more recently, uh, Adam Wingard has been uh, named as the director for Godzilla versus King Kong. Um, and which is very interesting because, um, Adam Wingard has been behind the most recent Blair Witch reboot or not even reboot. It was just like a new movie, um, which had, had, it had mixed reviews. Jessica and I, we loved it. Yeah. Um, awesome. he's also actually like pretty much the majority of his most recent movies are all horror films. Uh, he did VHS one and two, uh, okay. the, the yeah. guest and you're next. Um, okay. Yeah. Which was really well, like they're fun movies, yeah. and and your yeah. next was one of those movies that, uh, my type favorite type of movie where it will give you a stereotypical story, and you're like, oh, I know what's about to happen, and they no. com- it completely flips it on its head, and I thought it was really well done. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to spoil that. And if you haven't seen, uh, anyone has not seen your next, just go watch it. It is a slasher film that it flips it on the head. You you won't. I don't think I've seen it. You haven't? No, what I don't think I've seen fuck? that one. Well, now I know what we have to watch. Among our list of movies that we'll probably eventually get to at some point, uh, but no, yeah, Godzilla's uh, being versus King Kong being directed by uh, Adam Wingard. Um, that's all cool and all. I can't wait for Godzilla to fight Kong. I'm really excited about Godzilla too. Now, Robert, I don't know if you uh, did you see Skull Island at all? No. Okay. No. So um, I'm gonna spoil the, the I'm gonna spoil the after credits for you. Okay. 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 So everyone's doing an after credits, so whatever, cool. Legendary has like their own like monster universe they have planned. So the after credits of uh, Skull Island, you see the surviving characters get brought into a room and uh, with some scientists. And basically those scientists are like, everything you knew was a lie. 
Um, we are not the only ones who walk this earth. There were monsters that walked this earth well before us. And we get pictures of cave drawings of Godzilla fighting King Ghidorah, the three-headed uh, monster, which was like, probably my favorite mm-hmm. of uh, all the monsters, uh, Mothra and Rodan. Uh, so this was a rumor way back when that Godzilla two was going to feature an all out brawl of all these monsters and pretty much skull islands after credits, uh, confirmed that Godzilla two, which is, I believe it's titled Godzilla, Godzilla King of all monsters, uh, is going to be an all out brawl of like four giant monsters. So I'm, <laughs> I'm super fucking excited about that. In fact, more so than Godzilla versus King Kong. But let me ask you this, Robert, and I'll ask you as well. I already know your answer, Jessica, but mm-hmm. Robert, who do you think is going to win between Godzilla and King Kong? I'm sure they're probably going to do a, some stupid shit where they both win or they both lose. But who do you want to win versus King Godzilla? Kong. Okay. Sorry, King Kong. All right. Okay. There we go. We found our difference. We found our. <laughs> we found the one thing we can't agree on so far. Oh, that's amazing. Look, he's oh, that's awesome. Okay. So you can't see it, uh, listeners, cool. but he's got an amazing King uh, Kong tattoo. So of uh, your 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 many your many tattoos uh, fantastic all right and jessica i'm assuming godzilla yeah godzilla yeah so sorry. we're team godzilla sorry robert <laughs> it's okay okay we need a loyal opposition it makes it absolutely exactly <laughs> makes life interesting there so yeah go. who hoorah godzilla versus king kong i mean it's all happening that's cool uh moving on so dan Aykroyd had a interview on some talk show recently um Robert, uh, were you able to see uh, Ghostbusters the reboot with the? Uh... Yeah, I watched some of it. Yeah, I watched okay. some. Of it. I couldn't get through all of it though. Sorry. From what you saw, no, that's absolutely fine. What you sh- saw of it, did you enjoy what you saw? No. Okay, I, that. All couldn't right. relate. Couldn't really relate. Mm-hmm. So Dan Aykroyd basically called out um, Paul Feig, the director on Ghostbusters, stating that um, really. Paul Feig didn't really want to work with them. That basically Dan Aykroyd and them offered, who Dan Aykroyd was one of the producers, um, offered like suggestions for scenes that apparently Paul Feig was like, no, I don't want to do that. And then later on during screenings, they had to end up going back and reshooting anyway the scenes that Paul Feig was like, no, I don't want to do this. Now, I know during the interview, I think Dan Aykroyd said that the reshoots cost like 30, 30, 30 to 40 million dollars. Were... Ain't cheap, dude. Yeah. yeah. Dude. I don't More... know something like that. More recently, though, I think as a couple of days ago, it was announced that the reshoots only cost about three to four million dollars. So it's a little bit of a difference. Still, that's millions yeah. of dollars. Still ridiculous money, though. Yeah, yeah, it's all money. I don't. I, I will never see piled up. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I mean, make a couple, it, you could make ten independent films with that money. Absolutely. Oh my god, yes. Um. So Dan Aykroyd basically talks some smack, you know, you know, saying that hey, you know, Paul Feig didn't really work with us, but then went on to say that Sony does not like losing money. Uh, Ghostbusters absolutely lost money for Sony. Uh, at least you know, even though I think it it made a hundred and twenty million dollars in box yeah. office, I think it was still much lower than they anticipated. And yeah. Dan Aykroyd basically said, you know, I don't, I don't see Paul Feig like ever stepping foot on a Sony set again because of this. Um, now I know there's been a lot of controversy with Paul Fig and the Ghostbusters movie, whether it be, you know, uh, him saying some, some things that fans did not agree with there, the whole social justice female, like empowerment that, Oh, like 
that Sony made this movie to be a female empowerment movie, and yet in the end it didn't do so well. So females lost apparently, or something, some stupid bullshit that it just I'm tired of hearing. Like it was a cool idea, I think. I think it would have been a better idea if they would have done it in the same universe. Um, I didn't, I didn't despise the movie. You had fun. I had, it, it was fun, but was did I need it? You I know, didn't need, I didn't need it. I needed it. You needed it. But... I needed it because I was a kid that loved Ghostbusters that, you know, it was really awesome to see female Ghostbusters and females save the day, but it didn't, that didn't mean it was a great movie. Yeah. It was awesome for me on one level, but you know, I would have liked it to be more than hey these are girls and you know that's what i feel like they do is you kind of get some it falls a little flat if that's really the only leg your table standing on is if that's the only unique idea you're bringing well it, it, that's not enough you know gender shouldn't be the staple of what your movie's about it has to have substance and depth and bring more than just what gender the main character is yeah and i think that, and that's definitely what would they they had pushed or at least uh Kevin Feig definitely pushed, and then Stoney followed in mm-hmm. suit. Was like, oh, this is gonna be it the was win. Girls this is in CGI. Yeah, that's all it was. This is like Sony like presented it like to us that this is gonna be the movie that's gonna win movies for girls. Yeah, and, and that's a stupid. That's yeah. just an, an idiotic idea. Now I will say that the females in the movie they really did awesome with what they were given. But they went weren't given much. No, but there's some funny laughs in there. They really tried to do what you know what they could and i think that's awesome yeah oh yeah robert before we move on did you have anything to add to ghostbusters well what how you felt um, about it yeah what you saw? the word that the word that occurred to me when jessica was talking was uh was the word uh, you had mentioned it earlier about um trivializing mm-hmm. you know uh, i think maybe what may have made ghostbusters ghost the original ghostbusters so successful was america's love affair at that time with the various personalities of, of, of comedians that appeared in it dan mm-hmm. Anacor, Murray, et cetera. And Absolutely. so they're, they're and, and you know, also uh, the African American actor that was in it. I can't think of his name at the moment. Ernie Hudson, I believe. Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was groundbreaking. Plus, I think that the, the, the that time too, the whole paranormal phenomenon was just now was coming to the <laughs> forefront of mainstream media too. The fascination with that. And Unsolved so mysteries was pretty popular. Yeah. So I think those <laughs> elements were key. Uh, to reboot it and not have the original cast members present on, in some, on some level doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. They fucking, uh, um, I don't know if you got to it, they fucking have Bill Murray make an appearance and they fucking accidentally kill him. Yeah, it, to me, my, yeah, that wasn't enough. It just wasn't even. It's, no. It felt like, yeah, no, agree. I was like, what the fuck? They, it, they well, just actually, kill? it was too much. It felt like it's a metaphor, like, you know, <laughs> you know, farewell to the, you know, this, you know this, 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 we'll just trivialize this generation. Kind of like uh-huh. when uh, when they redid uh, rebooted Clash of the Titans, Ray Harryhausen's film. Oh, There's yeah. a scene in the movie where they took the mechanical owl and they said, "What's that? Oh, it's a relic," and they threw it in the trash. And you know, talk about ill omen. That movie, I guess, based on what people consider success. I didn't mm-hmm. care whether how, I didn't care about the film in terms of money. I just didn't think it was a good product. It didn't affect me. Clash of the Titans, the reboot. It was yeah. boring. I didn't. Yeah. It didn't affect us. And so I don't care about the money. Uh, but I think when you do stuff like that and you cast, you know, damn a character that is one of the key, you know, is, is a key, key uh, element in, 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 in people in, in, in the success of the movie and also people's frame of reference, their love affair with certain things. When you, when you toss them into the trash, you run the risk of tossing your product and your, your, and your uh, success in the trash mm-hmm. with that. So you got to be yeah. careful when you walk. That 
that, that foundation. And so maybe when you kill off a character like that, when you introduce Eric's character and just kill him quickly like that, you're in a sense, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you have to be careful with it when you play around with stuff like that. Oh, uh, yes, I I absolutely agree. When you take something, especially like if you have fans that because they're absolutely like yourself who in thoroughly enjoyed the original and you 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 literally take a an object that people maybe have loved or remember like, oh, that that, that the owl and then throw it out, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. why would you do? Why would you not just like do something better with that. Like you obviously have fans. Yes. I get you're trying to bring new people in as well with the flashy actors and the CG and all that, but you realize you're going to have fans of the, of the classic original coming to see this film too. Right? Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and money. And we're about to, we're almost there. We've, I've, I've said it multiple times. We have a subject to talk about, um, but we're almost, uh, actually speaking of money. Um, so, <laughs> The Resident Evil franchise, it just ended, right, Robert? I don't know if you're aware, but the I think it was the seventh movie. Of I the wasn't series. aware of that. I saw the first. Uh, I saw the first, uh, the first one, and the I think it was the second after. I, uh-huh. I enjoyed the first few. Okay. Um. I if outside of it being like, take away the the Resident Evil, like take out take away taking away that it was supposed to be a Resident Evil fan. Me being a big fan of the uh, original game series, it was a decent. The first movie was a decent movie. The second one was okay. You know, adding the fact that it was actually re- supposed to be Resident Evil, that changes my opinion. To uh, that's not that great. Whatever the case is, I think this movie franchise had seven movies. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, and the the last movie was called Resident Evil: The Final Chapter. Okay. Spoiler alert. Was, was it still directed by Paul W. Anderson? <laughs> it was written and directed by the same guy since the first since the first movie. Yeah, Paul Anderson. I think it's Anderson. I think that's his name. I think it, I think so. Uh, the reason I know is because I worked with him. He directed a movie, a film that I I, I appeared in called Death Race. The yes. Death Race. Excellent. I think it's I think it's the same director. Okay. I think you're right. Um. Well, you also is married to the lead actress. That lead actress. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we're talking about the same person. So yes. So, um, don't know your opinion, but no, whatever the case is, the movies are not good. The first one I liked a lot. Mm -hmm. I thought was really good. It was effective. I thought the next two I just saw with respect to the first Mm -hmm. one, and I didn't feel that they were as effective. Was there one where they go to Las Vegas or something? Yep. Vegas. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's as far as I got. After Vegas, I stopped watching. Well, spoiler alert for you, Robert. They only get worse. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and this is coming as from a fan and also, I guess, do, yeah, I, do I, I consider myself a movie critic at this point? <laughs> eh, whatever. Like, junior. I'll call myself a junior movie critic. So, well, as you a fan. like something you don't, right? Just yeah, exactly. To be honest. Uh, so, it just wasn't good. The story wasn't good. Like, I mean... The final movie, they legitimately rewrite a character, like stories that they have already like told us multiple in like characters. multiple times, multiple characters, like from the original movies, like the original like three movies, and they basically go, "Oh no, everything we told you, no, we're we're not going to rewrite it and say what we told you was wrong or this is what really happened." We're just going to hope you forgot the yeah. last four movies, and we're going to tell you the origin all over again. Yes. So whatever the case is, the franchise is over. It's over. Resident Evil's dead. No more. Um, what's her name? Milka Milia. Yeah. So it's all. No. Guess what? It's being rebooted. <laughs> Officially, Resident Evil is getting a six-movie reboot. 
but maybe we'll actually get it based on the game. Maybe. Well, somebody's pro- watching them, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't that what that means? Somebody's somebody's downloading. Somebody's watching. They're making money. Yeah. That's yeah. Yep. Exactly it. People are still the name like, is still bringing in the dollars. Well, see yeah. How you, that's how you see the way you feel about that is kind of how I feel about the whole Fast and Furious. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, this, yeah. I'd be careful. Jessica's a loves like if you might say the wrong word, Jessica might get like no. rowdy. <laughs> I love the Fast and the Furious, but that doesn't change that I I know why they're still being made. Yeah. Robert, go on. I'm sorry. I just want I want <laughs> oh, to look cool. I, I, I understand. Here's the thing. I understand why these modes of entertainment are effective. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're bad products. I understand mm-hmm. why they work. I don't know if I could it could sustain my attention for very long because I know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. In that sense, I mean, I, I don't fantasize about any of these people. I Wait, Robert, are, are you are you saying, Robert, that you don't fantasize about a shirtless Dwayne Johnson at night? Like, fortunately, no, not in this lifetime. Maybe in another lifetime when I come back as what it is. But, but, no, J- but Jason Statham, you absolutely dream of him. You're though, such a right? dork. Uh, well, you know what? I, I dream of the answer to that <laughs> with respect <laughs> to, to, to the humor. I do fantasize about working with him again yeah. and something more dramatic because I think he's a tremendous actor prior to, you know, the the uh, the businessification of his career with Hollywood and everything. I think and I don't think it's his fault. He's just trying to make a living like anybody else. Oh, and yeah, he's well. tremendous at what he does. But I think prior to the Guy Ritchie films that he did. He, he demonstrated not only versatility, but strength as an actor, a dramatic present, charismatic. So, yeah, he's someone you can learn with. You can learn from working with. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's some his, – his ability as an actor, as a thespian, is what fascinates me. Not his ability to uh, perform whatever duty they re- regard him within the marketplace to, to sell something, whether it's sex or the Charles Bronson archetype. You know, I get that. But his 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 ability as a gentleman, as a as a as a as a, as a, as a, an, a thinker, and yeah. the way he executes that in some of the earlier films, his disposition, his emotional range, you don't see that too much in the newer stuff. The older stuff, you see his range, mm-hmm. his emotional feeling body, and the way he communicates that vocally. It's fascinating to watch. So, it it'd be great to see him. Go away. And, and it's because not allowing him to do that doesn't mean it, it went away. It just, yeah, that's like, not a much marketplace, unfortunately, for that kind of character development. Absolutely. Like we were talking uh, with you earlier about like you being um, uh, perceived as this like this type of character. It's like I would I would love to see a film where we get to see Jason Statham uh, not portrayed or not like his generic like character be, oh, that guy from uh, that badass from across the pond. Fucking like give us and give us depth, give us an actual story like to show us what he can do. Opposed well, how about, to, in, in addition to that, Joseph, how about that variable can still be there, mm-hmm. but combine it with something else. We don't no. have to remove it, but let's combine. Let's let's you know let's integrate it with maybe something else too. Right? Let's, Can't let's they sit- all live in the same body? Can the poet, the warrior, etc., whether male or female, all be housed within the same vessel? Why not? Mm-hmm. I've got an idea. A million dollar, million dollar movie idea. Put Dwayne <laughs> Johnson and Jason. Wait, crap! They've already done this. Never mind. All right, cool. Moving on. <laughs> uh, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, but back to Resident Evil. Yes. I listen. They're gonna do it. There's nothing we can do. It makes money. The name makes money. Uh, it doesn't matter what the fans say. Apparently, that they're still gonna make. They're still gonna keep making them because it makes them millions of dollars. Uh, the only thing that I'll say is I hope. For fuck's sake, they at least stick to the goddamn source material and give us make it give us a fucking horror movie. Don't give us a fucking action flick where like 
someone like I don't know. Just give us an give us a horror movie. Don't give us a fucking Tom Cruise starring fucking action movie. Don't give us that. That's not what Resident Evil is to me. And I know that's not what Resident Evil is to the fans. So that's that's all I can say about that. Right on. Yeah. See, we bring we all bring our 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 what is it? Our uh, to each movie we bring a uh, a criteria. We all have a criteria in which mm-hmm. we bring to, to in terms of what we how we decide what works for us and what doesn't. Jessica's is different than mine with certain things, and so is yours. So we all have like you know. It's, Maybe some of the they feel maybe the, from the point of view of business they feel that the marketplace they they want to stay away from what you described because they don't know they think that would be a bad sell the action formula mm-hmm. they, they think Paul Anderson or whoever thinks it works so they stick to that formula because they're afraid if they get into that 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 geography what you're talking about um, it might not have the mass appeal yeah because people have been trained not you not me. But maybe the general, I don't know. I'm not the saying general I'm public. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I can't, I, I don't like speaking on behalf of the collective because I don't know. I hey, wonder Robert, you know, I'm a, how that works. We're, sometimes. We're, but, <laughs> let's just say there's a large, let's just say this. Maybe there's a large percentage of the population maybe that responds to certain things, right? Yeah. Whether it's organic or inorganic, who knows? They just, but they are responding because the money's there, Joseph. If the money's there, then someone's clicking on, man. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and us being us being the little people here, uh, we'll go ahead and say it. Yeah, the general fucking public for the most part, they're just eating this. Up. They're eating whatever that's being provided to them, and they just don't care. They they don't care about the source material. They don't care. They want to see someone do a triple fucking backflip onto a motorcycle, <laughs> and then like, I don't I don't fucking know. Like slice someone's head off with a fucking motorcycle. I don't. Yeah. Fucking, it's, it's fucking insane. Like I, I'm having PTSD flashbacks They're of looking, like the Resident Evil franchise well, a movies. The, a lot of the population responds well to that visual mm-hmm. gore slow porn. motion while an explosion's going on <laughs> behind them. They're in. They're halfway through a backflip, but they're throwing a knife, and it's like because it's a 3D movie. Of course, the knife's coming right at the fucking screen. Uh, that's yeah. You, you can tell I have some ad, uh some uh. I understand. I understand. Um, yeah. I can relate. All right. So I'm going to wrap these next two stories into one, and then we're going uh, to talk about our final final story that we've been looming over for a hot minute. So uh, Sony uh, – so I don't know if you're aware of the whole Marvel-Sony Marvel, Marvel Sony deal and how Sony owned the the movie rights to Spider-Man and all that. It's okay. It's fucking crazy, but okay. more recently, uh, Sony and Marvel made a deal where Marvel, like the MCU, like studios, Marvel Studios could use Spider-Man without buying the rights back from Sony. And okay. It was like a no money trade deal where basically Sony makes Sony makes the money off of their solo Spider-Man movies or something along those lines. And Marvel won't get a cut of somehow and then vice versa. Marvel can Marvel Cinematic Universe could have Spider-Man in their movies and Sony wouldn't make a cut a certain cut whatever I don't money I don't it's I barely have a handle on my own funds let alone understand the the crazy workings of like the millions of dollars that goes in the mil- movies yeah I don't um, think there's much future in it no 
So to make things more confusing for everybody, because apparently that's like the the cool thing to do, instead of Sony continuing to work with Marvel and makes make everything nice and streamlined, uh, because Marvel has this very fantastic universe they've built since the Incredible Hulk through Iron Man through Thor, they've done a really good job keeping everything connected. Uh, there's been some controversy on how the TV shows aren't as connected as people would like to the you know, the movie universe, but whatever the case is, it's all still fun. And we just talked about how DC is doing. They got their first big hit, and it worked really well. So now maybe DC can get the right picture with like their new people that they have in power, in control over it. But sure. whatever the case is, yeah, Marvel's done a really good job setting up their universe, and they've got Spider-Man now, and it's great. Tom Holland had did a fantastic job in Civil War, I think. Uh, being a big Spider-Man fan, you know, I think he did a great job, and I, to me, he is Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Well, Sony is now going to be doing their own separate Marvel universe. <laughs> I, saw, I saw your eye roll, and don't worry, we're all got the same eye roll going on. So Sony's got their Sony Marvel universe, <laughs> uh, starting with Venom in uh, October of 2018. Um, and uh, so a lot of people are confused. We still don't know how this is going to work. Because from what we understand, Spider-Man that we know and love, you know, that we've met in, you know, the Civil War and in the future MC movies won't have anything to do with these movies. So they're going to have Spider-Man characters without Spider-Man in them. Uh, Tom Hardy was just announced to play Venom slash Eddie Brock for the Sony Venom movie. Um, there's also been announced... Um, Black Cat and Silver Sable, which uh, Black Cat's a Spider-Man character, and I think Silver Sable, she's in Spider-Man, but she's more of a big Marvel character. Uh, they're getting their own movie, uh, and nothing makes sense in the world anymore, basically. Except money, right? Yeah, and except money. Yeah, yeah. See exactly. If they can exploit. They can exploit the the characters on the periphery and make and make money with them, and then that becomes the thing. Maybe I don't know. And people will go see it. People Maybe, will spend yeah. the money. I mean, if, yeah. if this is enough, this you know, this so the names you mentioned, especially Tom Hardy, they, they're they're taking they're throwing the dice and seeing if if there can be, um, if they can you know if they can, if they can exploit his celebrity and you know what he does so well and then, and mm -hmm. then uh, maybe if that catches and they can go on from there, so you know the, you know star is born so to speak within within the context of that. So, you know, I think from from the point of view of talent and the people that are moving that are behind Tom Hardy's career, they probably. Be, ecstatic knowing that he's involved in that because they probably have understandably so a lot of uh, high hopes for what he can do with that the question though remains will the like you a loyal fan will you will that get in the way though what you described the fragmentation that you described will that get mm -hmm. in the way of your ability to participate in it because and you feel like it's missed there's something missing oh wait a minute yeah it's spider-man hello yeah so, wait a minute yeah, yeah. <laughs> like wait you're, you're having a spider-man movie without spider-man that's yeah. cool I mean, I mean hell even the origin of Venom involves Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, unless yeah. we're going to do some off-world weird shit that they probably will do. Um, so the director of Venom is going to be uh, Ruben Fletcher, which is interesting because uh, he was behind Zombieland, which is, you know, a comedy. Yeah, um, hilarious. I, I enjoyed that film. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, that had probably, probably one of the best cameo appearances of an actor playing himself. Uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, I remember when they they fucking they 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 shot him. I'm like, did they just kill him? They just killed Bill Murray. Awesome, fantastic. Uh, it was fucking hilarious. But uh, no, yeah. So it's very interesting. Uh, I know we've got. Um, I will say the 
Black Cat Silver Sable movie, which in all honesty, I personally have no connect. Like, I don't care about these characters as a fan of Spider-Man universe. And I don't care. But whatever the case is, um, the director, um, Prince Bywood, Bywood, Bythewood. I cannot pronounce his last name. Um, She's behind The Secret Life of Bees, which is apparently an an award-winning film um, starring an all-female cast. So I will say, at least from what I'm seeing, they're trying to put, you know, they're trying to they're trying to do something that not a lot of people have been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have all these Marvel superhero films like in the the main universe, and we still haven't got. Uh, we we know it's coming, but we still have not had a Marvel female led, female directed um, oh, superhero there is. film. There so. It is, right? Yeah, there we go. Right there. That's gonna be the drawing, I think, right there. That's I think what what they're gonna have to push, like to because no. no one gives a shit about black black cat or silver sable. No, like, but uh, that you know that goes back to the problem again. This seems to be a problem Sony is is running into because of Ghostbusters. Female cast is not a pre a pre requisite for your movie to be awesome. Like, stop leaning on that leg. Do something better than that. You're the gender of your main characters is not what's going to get my money. You've got to go well, beyond it's, that. It's part of the equation, right? I mean, it's one thing, but there's several things that need yeah. to be successful or at least need to work in right. unison, right? It's not just one. Yeah. Okay. Let's start with this, but what else? We have to have a good product and, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with that said, okay, great. We have this. Now, what do we also need to make this an effective product, a good film to watch something entertaining that everybody likes or responds to you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, you can't lean too heavily on the one variable. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not trying to. It, I'm not saying it's inconsequential. It, it does have value, but Absolutely. that's not all there is. You still have to produce a good movie. Yeah, yeah you yeah, still so have to produce a something good. Well, and this goes to uh, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier when you start to trivialize something like that. That's not your golden ticket. Stop using the idea of lifting women up as a, a golden ticket rallying point. Like, you've got to still make good products. Like, you still have to make something worthwhile. Female gender should not be your highlight point. That should be something you're doing to do because it's what's best for the project. Yes. I think that's that's a really good point. Like, pe- like these directors and writers, they should be doing what's good for the plot. And what's good for the story opposed to, oh, this will probably get a lot of attention because this 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 girl is the yeah. main character. Well, like, I don't want a female director for the sake of having a female yeah. director. I want her because she's the best one for the job. Yes. And I, <laughs> I'm oh, looking, I was looking wow. at. Wow. That's, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, can, I have, wow. <laughs> That's, yeah, that would be really great. What a great profession it would be if that was the case absolutely what a world like, I, I know i know that's quite and a... all the political agenda would kind of was put on hold because someone was in fact good at something yeah yeah pull it off it doesn't yeah. always unfortunately doesn't always work that way does it no, no. not at all it very that that is definitely the exception not the rule yeah heard that yeah all right so yeah, that's we'll see. I mean, we we don't have. Um, I don't think the director is locked in uh, right now, and they don't have a, a a set date. So we'll see as that develops. So let's go ahead and do the uh, the main thing we've been kind of like looming over. And you know, to me, you know, spoiler, I see this as all money, and I'm sure both of you will agree as well. So um, to add to all the crazy uh, universes, movie universes that exist, that I I personally believe Marvel really just started because. To my knowledge, I can't think of a movie universe before Marvel. 
Um, but Universal is doing, um, and this was announced for a while, Universal is doing their own monster universe by rebooting all the classic monster movies. Cool. Now, when I wrote the, yeah. when I, uh, when I saved this to my show notes, the mummy had not come out yet. Uh, yeah. Like I said, we haven't uh, recorded for about a month. Well, <laughs> this is a multi-tier story. Um, so the mummy's out. Uh-huh. And uh, starring Tom Cruise, and I don't remember the actress's name that plays uh, the mummy character. Uh, but, spoiler alert, it's not good, apparently. <laughs> uh, every review that I've read, and I haven't gone see it, and I'm, you know, we're going to go see it because there was, a, there was one trailer that there was a sliver in both me and Jessica's consciousness that were like, oh no, this might be good. And then, of course, you know, the reviews came out, and it's apparently not. But whatever the case, uh, all the reviews that I've read so far have said that legitimately there is no fun in this movie. It is all Tom Cruise running like he always does in most movies and not that great CG. Which, unfortunately, we all kind of like all my friends, me and Jessica, and I don't know if you agree, Robert, but we kind of all saw that, unfortunately, in the trailers. I'm like, this doesn't look fun. This looks like a lot of CG, a lot of just non-needed action, and it uh-huh. makes me. It made it honestly just made me go. I miss Brendan Fraser. What is he doing now? It looks like movie trash. Um. Okay. So yeah, the the movie apparently is not good. Like I said, we're gonna go see it and we're gonna do a spoiler review where we uh we talk about it. But apparently, okay. it's not good. But before okay. uh before the Mummy uh, officially came out in theaters, uh Universal announced that their universe will be called uh Universal Dark. Um, mm-hmm. I think I got that right. Either that, Dark Universal, whatever. Who cares? Anyhow, it's not like we're a news outlet. We could be wrong. <laughs> um, and they announced that Bride of Frankenstein was going to oh, be cool. the uh, the next film, wow. or or another film that you know that they're adding to their list. It's I know be tough one to duplicate, man. Yeah. Oh yes, uh, Johnny Depp. Great I know great performances in that mm-hmm. one. I know Johnny Depp I think it's a, is well, it's uh, filmed it's a past the first one. What? John, mm-hmm. Who'd you say? I was going to say Johnny Depp is signed on for the Invisible Man right now. Right on. That'll work tremendously. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, here's hoping. Here's the, here's the thing, though. We we won't be able to see Johnny Depp's funny run that he does in every film. That he, yeah, you know exactly what run I'm talking about. That little his hands are kind of shaking in front of him, and he's running all silly and looking. That run. We're not gonna see it if he's gonna be invisible, unless he's wearing a hat. Oh, I'm sure so he'll find some other it. way to dazzle us. <laughs> exactly. They'll, they'll do and a hat and gloves. Does. He'll find some way to charm and dazzle us. That's what he's doing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I know during The Mummy, um, Russell Crowe is uh, playing Dr. Dr. Hyde or Mr. Hyde yeah, or Dr. Hyde? The, uh, yeah, Dr. Jekyll. Dr. Jekyll, and then he becomes Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde. Okay, whatever. So Kurt, uh, Russell Crowe's playing that. Um, more recently, um, I think a couple days ago, that uh, Universal announced that Phantom of the Opera and Hunchback of Notre Dame is being added to the slew of uh, movies, inclu- of reboots, oh. including Frankenstein. You know, we already said Bride of Frankenstein, Invisible Man. Uh, we're getting another Wolfman movie. We've wow. got we get Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. But among all these movies, you know, we got all these big name actors so far. Right. And yet the mummy just came out and guess what? It is not good. So this makes me worry that legitimately what we've been talking about through this whole episode is that it's not going to matter. Like they're not going to give us good stories. They're going to give us big name actors, um, you know, big action scenes. 
and the general public are just going to eat it up. They're not going to they're not going to say any like the fans, of course, are going to say something. The critics are, of course, are going to say something. But because it's, oh, my God, the mummy, everyone thinks Brendan Fraser, like, oh, that movie was great. This movie is going to be what, you know, decent or whatever. They're all going to go see it. They're all going to pay money. They're going to the mummy is going to probably make its money and then some. They're going to end up making these Bride of Frankenstein. They're going to end up making all these movies. And who knows? Maybe they'll get the right director and they have the right writers for the next movies. Maybe this was a fluke and, you know, this may have been a flop, but their next movies might be great. But unfortunately, with the track record that a lot of these reboots, remakes, revisits, we just, we, you know, you talked about your disdain for, you know, Clash of the Titans, um, you know, we're going to get these movies one way or another, whether we like it or not. People are going to unfortunately buy them. And yet they're my, there's a strong possibility. They're all going to be fucking trash. And it's all money. It is. It's possible. It's, it's possible. Yeah. And what you described, it seems even plausible. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, we don't know. Yeah. Guys, I haven't, ladies and gents, I haven't seen the preview for the mummy, but based on what you described, it sounds kind of sad. Um, but I will say, I don't want to get too philosophical, but that it's still a subjective thing, isn't it? Because yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, I saw the the mummy you're talking about. I wasn't that crazy about it. The Brent, was it Brent, Brendan Fraser? I, I saw yeah. it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think it was a bad product. I just it's not something I'd watch again. I don't. And I'm not saying it's just subjective. It's just not something. Mm-hmm. I, and you talk about Tom Cruise and and and, and that this thing with the CGI. I don't, I'm not a fan of that. And yeah. if it's just that and there's no character development, um, I will say, because I, I'm not going to edit myself, man, and I don't ex- think you expect me to, but. Oh. Where oh, he keeps coming back to life. He has to keep succeeding this mission where he keeps getting, the character keeps getting killed and he's brought back to life. I can't remember the name of the film. But anyway, oh, the point oh, is. Oh, live, live, yeah, Day After Tomorrow, Live, Die, Live yeah. Again. Yeah. I think, yeah, here's my feeling about Tom Cruise um, is that, yeah, there may be some movies that are. Here's the thing. You're talking to an actor who's done a lot of like been. I've been a party to whether I like it or not. I don't mm-hmm. go into projects with the notion that okay, I'm going to make a bad film. Unfortunately, it turns out that way. You talk about the human centipede. You talk about you being disappointed about Tom mm-hmm. Six's installment or what you know this 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 thing he's doing. This masturbatory kind of practice of filmmaking that barely passes a, as as he barely passes as a director. So that being said, if if, if I consider this frame of reference here, honestly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the films that have over 100 credits, I don't know if I can honestly say I'm proud of all of them, but I didn't go into making these movies with the intention of making a bad film. I did my best. But mm-hmm. as most actors know, or I think some fans know, or spectators know, or critics know, that a really great performance does not make a great film or even a memorable film, but a really great filmmaker can make a career, can he? Or she can. So you're kind of in a situation where you look at things as far as entertainment, you see how ambiguous it is and how you can't get too attached to any of the results of this stuff. And me as someone, I think like yourself, maybe both of you, I tend to live vicariously through the fictions. I enjoy the stories. And even if it's not the best film in the world, Lord knows I've been in some pretty terrible movies. If I can find one thing in the film that's entertaining, I'm not too hard on it because it's my escape. I can't Mm -hmm. turn into a scientist and, equated i can't i gotta be careful with this analytical tendency which is to nitpick every detail of movies whatever genre they are what year they were made and just enjoy the spirit of the thing if there's a couple of things that keep me entertained from beginning middle to end even if it's the mummy whatever it is 
and I can sit through. I'll be, it's, 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 it's effective. Do I want to own it? I don't know. Is it a must own? Maybe not. There's not too many movies that I want to own, not because they're not worthy of me, only because I have a very specific criteria that I want. Like I love Woody Allen. I own a lot of Woody Allen movies. That's what I like. Does everybody like Woody Allen? No. So it all depends on what where you're sitting in terms of of, of your taste, right? So no, yeah. So movies you talk about this, you know, this uh, this this anticipation of what will be, and it doesn't look real good, Rob. On the horizon, it looks like there's a lot of you know, this the, the collapsing of a whole genre that's being rebooted and reintroduced and we're not too happy about it. Yeah, it's possible that could happen. They could screw it all up. Or maybe out of five or six, there could be three that are outstanding or two that are outstanding or out of all, all of them may have one thing that's interesting to watch. Like I like Tom Cruise, guilty of mm-hmm. that. I don't know the man. I don't care about his personal life. I just know as, a, as an actor, I watch some of the things he does and I'm like, I wish I, I, I have to learn how to do that. I'm like impressed by some of the things that he can do emotionally and his range and his physicality. So he may do something in this new mummy movie. He may not that I find interesting enough to get me through the film. If you mm-hmm. can't stand him, which it sounds like you're not a fan, you oh. may be like, oh my God, when is this going to end? So it becomes torturous for you. And I understand that. So I guess it all depends on where you're sitting. So I guess the good news might be that out of all these movies you've described, the Wolfman, the, the, the invisible man, et cetera, that they may all have some element of entertainment that can work depending on who's watching them, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're not, it may not all fall down on top of us and, oh, my God, what are we going to do? They screwed it all up. They may not. It may, I'm not saying I support corporation because I can't – to me, the enemy is the corporation and the way they make decisions is so yeah. impersonal and so about these formulas you describe and the political agendas, et cetera, that leaves a, a hollow egg and it collapses in. There's nothing really there that's that has mana or meaning that sustains the – the the, the 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 participant. So I'm not crazy about the fact that there's so much money. You talk about all these numbers and these these power struggles within various corporate entities. I'm like, holy shit, it gives me a headache. Not saying you're giving me a headache, but I don't want to pay t- pay attention to that stuff. I just want to be entertained and enjoy the, the movies and hope that there's something still human about them, so that I can relate to some character or something that's going on where they're not like masturbating their 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 money and their visual in our face all the time, leaving mm-hmm. us empty because there's nothing really human about any of that. It's just a manipulation, a technological manipulation. And have they gone crazy with all this CGI and computer manipulation? Maybe, maybe not. If they can balance it with some really powerful performances, then it's wonderful, isn't it? Look at the original Star Wars. Holy shit. Wow. I've never mm-hmm. seen anything yeah. like that before. And great acting. Holy shit. Wow. That'll work. So if they can find balance within the two... The two worlds, I think, that's my take. No, absolutely. And I agree. Like, there can be balance. There can be uh, these big name actors and crazy CG, but have a good story. Uh, Just so you know, as well, like, you got caught, you you broke up a little bit when you were talking about Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I am, like, I'm not, I'm not a, um, I don't dislike Tom Cruise. Like, I, I mean, every Top Gun, come on. I, with the vampire. No, I no, love no, no. I know you do. Get out. <laughs> um, I, uh, I personally enjoyed. I, I loved Edge of Tomorrow. I'm interested that, yeah. they're, that they're doing a sequel, but we'll see. Like I thought, me personally, like, and I really liked the Mission Impossible movies, but like, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow was such a un- like a unique concept. No, man, it blew my mind, dude. Yeah, yeah blew my mind. My, yeah. I think we like. Did we talk about Edge of Tomorrow like during the show? Yeah. Like my only gripe with that movie, and again, we're like this is how the show goes. We just derail real quick. Um, my only gripe with that movie was I think the last ten minutes should have been cut. Like hero, some heroes die, some heroes don't make it back, and I think yeah. I. But 
other than that, you know, not to like go in depth on this movie. I, I, I truly enjoyed that movie and I'm actually really looking forward to the sequel. Yeah, I mean, if you can get my whole thing, right, if you can get through it, right, if it's entertaining and it kind of takes you out of yourself for a couple hours, I think it succeeded, man. I mean, that's what it's kept me alive and to some extent. I don't want to – I think I have to admit, yeah, I've turned it into kind of a shrine, a deity. I think we all have made our screens and our movie preoccupation some kind of some type of god in a way, like a, a kind of alter ego or a way to escape. You talk about watching a movie, right, Jeff? I mean, Joseph, and you talk about like the gravity shift from that experience to walking outside and like, oh man, it's not Wonder Woman. Where's Wonder Woman? We need one. You know, it's not there. So I think there's a there's a tendency to get really absorbed by this stuff, which I think is good, but at the same time, I'm going off track. But the point is, is like, if if it can entertain you, which, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's, a, there's obviously, we live in a time of escapism. Let's face it. We, we've always lived in a time of escapism. Oh yeah, absolutely. We just have I more... Mean... Some, more ability to, to create a more of a mind fuck than ever before. Right? Oh, yeah. so, so some of our some of our corridors of their imagination or what other people can do for them and, and, you know, and manipulate that for them. Like, wow, I just, I don't want to deal with real life. I just want to live vicariously through these different stories and just keep streaming forever. And I understand, I get it, man. Like I'm not, a, I'm not saying I'm above it. I, I don't want to get too caught up in that because I want to be able to read books and do stuff. Point being though, that entertainment is what it's all about, isn't it? If we can just, if, if it takes us out of our head for a while, we talked about this movie with Tom Cruise. We talk about any number of films. Some people, it's going to be like, oh, shit, it bored me to hell. I, I wasted two hours of my life. Other people are like, no, it entertained me. It depends on, on, on our standards, I guess, or how realistic we are about the deity, the altar. We've made an altar of this entertainment, and we use it as a way to yeah, deal with the very not so uh, – the not so glamorous aspects of day-to-day life, the drudgery, the the mundane, the boring. Because movies, let's face it, even the most realistic movie is not a moment-to-moment account of what a day is like. It's not. It's even uh, Manchester by the Sea. I think is the film, a great film I saw recently. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's a great character study. Uh, uh, you know, and but yet I, I thought about that objectively. I go, this is tremendous. But it takes certain key moments, strings them together in a sense, manipulate you into feeling something that's very realistic, but that's not how life is. You have to often wait for the payoff or to come to terms with yourself and a life journey and relationships, et cetera, to figure out or have a closure. It doesn't wrap itself up in two hours. So we have these situations where we're led to believe that what we're watching is possible. It is, but it could take 20 years for that to manifest, not in two hours. So I think we have to be realistic about what we're watching. And how we've, to some extent, made it God, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And, how, and, and how much of our how much of our frustration are we taking out on that God if it doesn't deliver us into this kind of celestial, you know, transcendence, freedom from our limited day to day, you know, mediocrity, so more or less. Yeah. No, you're you are not wrong, and you drop a lot of like very valid points. My um. And I don't want to like linger too much too much more on the, the on the topic, but uh, my only my only concern, and I, I get it, if if a few people get something out of a story uh, and it, it's entertaining to for to whatever degree to them, then you know to a lot of people that's a success right there, absolutely. Um, I think just more so like I'm I'm talking like as a fan, like when you were speaking on uh, Clash of the Titans, for example, like. As a fan, like, aren't these movies made for the fans? 
to yeah. it like to a certain degree I, yeah i think my like my biggest fear with this franchise this particular franchise is the original universal horror movies are something very dear to me and just the preview for the mummy and then hearing the reviews it feels like they sucked the heart out of it and for mm. like they forewent the idea of what really made those movies awesome in lieu of the prospect of making more money and upping the budget or doing CGI and kind of removing Ooh. that element that made them awesome. So that's why, you know, you go CGI instead of practical effects yeah. and for yeah. reasons like that. And I think that's where my fear of the franchise falling is, is sure. will they even consider what made these movies great? Yeah. I, I think that nails it really good there. Like, uh, like we were saying earlier, like money, like I don't, I, you don't care about, and I don't care about it. like, yeah, a movie can make, certain millions of dollars that's cool and all that's i'm never gonna see that money so why should i care in the end as a fan of movies you know does the story get me like is it a good story is it a well done story like is the sequel like is it going to lead to like another good story did they did they end it right did they continue whatever the case is i think that's the biggest worry is that they're taking movies or stories or characters that we already know and then mind you i i'm pretty sure the easiest solution to this problem is just not go see it because, I mean, I don't need to see it. You don't need to see it. Like, we've already, we, like, you know, know like you were saying, Robert, like, you're not a big fan of the Brendan Fraser original. That's fine. Every, you know, there's a, a differences in about opinions. It'd be fucking boring if we all had the same opinion. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but um, it's still something like the original. Be, yeah, I'm able to, yeah. I hope I didn't interrupt you. Oh, no, you're fine. In terms of the mummy, I, the original, the one you, when you described, I mean, I'm objective. I can be objective and recognize a good product when I see it. I can see that. I can tell. I knew it was a good product when I watched it. Um, I think there's another variable that comes to the play for what it's worth, not just the, the numerical concern, the preoccupation with box office and all this money, because it seems to be like everyone talking about it. I don't even know half the time what the scores mm -hmm. are. I don't care. Yeah. Um, I, just be, fucking, yeah. I just want to continue to give energy and focus in, in, in the work itself. It's about the work. And, and I think that's what you need, ultimately. What you require is the stories, which is the work, the writer's responsibility, yeah. the actor's responsibility. So does the studio get in the way? Yes. Does the corporation get in the way? Yes, obviously, because we're talking, mm -hmm. that's what we're discussing. The other issue, though, I think is, is also kind of also is equally frightening is our ability to concentrate, dude. I mean, like, there, there's a whole, because like, you you're talking to somebody who watches it like yourself. I, I grew up in old movies, and I watch a lot of black and white movies, 70 film, 70s movies from the 70s the 80s, etc. And what I've noticed is the editing style has changed specifically. Oh, absolutely. Because they've discovered, I guess, whoever they are and who they're talking <laughs> on, on this, yeah. That Thanks the average me. attention span isn't very long, man. And so they can't even make the kind of movies that you're describing anymore because if they did and took time developing the characters in the horror movies that you're describing, people would get bored, man. They wouldn't want to watch it. You yeah. might be able to watch it. I could watch it. Because mm -hmm. I'm watching, still watching Burt Reynolds movies. I'm watching all kinds of movies from all different genres, yeah. British comedies, European dramedies, French films. I watch all kinds of stuff that the story sometimes takes a while to develop. The average audience member would have turned it off because, oh, this is boring me to death. I read a lot, though. So I'm wondering how many people that go to see movies these days read. Oh, so my God, yeah. To consider in this equation, I don't have to, but you might want to consider in this equation of why this system is failing you isn't just the money, bro. I think it has a lot to do with our brethren, our sisters and brothers who are not necessarily 
that focused anymore. Yeah. You don't you just... have the ability to focus because the editing style, the way they put these trailers together is a science in of itself to trigger the brain to respond a certain way and look at it, the visual aesthetic, the sound bites, a lot of that stuff is extremely manipulative. And you don't realize how much it is until you observe the, you're baffled by the audiences. Why are they, why audiences continue to check in on obviously an inferior product, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think they don't have the ability to know any better. You can, and you can, Joseph, and you can, Jessica, but the average person, unfortunately, I think the average consumer may not care that much about it. You You obviously have an affection for various movies and, and have a, a romantic, almost a romantic type relationship with them. I do as well. Understand. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so heartbreaking to see them rape and pillage the thing that's so close to you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? It's funny though. Like, and we're going to end on this note real quick uh, here in a second. <laughs> We've been talking about the mummy with Brendan Fraser and how much we, en- we enjoyed it yet. That itself was a remake oh, yeah, reboot of the, of the or- yeah of the original oh. Yeah, classic mummy. Yet, yet <laughs> we're talking about reboots and like the different generations and how like people like you know eat things up and don't enjoy and not whatever. Yet we're talking about how we like the Brendan Fraser mummy when it is so com- so actiony and bullshitty but compared to the original heart, classic. Which yeah. I think it it like while being different, it continued that heart, which is all I can really hope for going forth with these other movies. Yeah. Robert, thank you so much for joining us on this episode man like it has been a legitimate blast like to talk dude to talk to you to hear your opinions to hear even like some inner workings even if it's just like a taste of what what really goes on behind the scenes of like movies from conception to uh like preparation to like you know on the spot like it's it's been it's been really great yeah we've really valued having your thoughts on here it's been awesome Hey, you know, I give what I get. Thank you, you know, both for taking me seriously. And I don't, I don't mean that, you know, just, you know, I don't, I'm not condescending. I really mean that because sometimes I feel like uh, when I do interviews, people don't always, you know, I feel like they're continuing to project things onto me that are, are not always uh, pleasant. So I appreciate that you uh, value my opinion to some extent and yeah. you appreciate uh, my work and I appreciate you. So I just want to give equal respect. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, that... That wraps up this week's episode of Stupid Popcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter and all the social media. So, you know, if you're listening to us, let us know what you think and all that jazz. Or not, you know, obviously there's someone listening because we keep getting view- listenership. So that's cool. Uh, thank you for uh, our awesome guest, Robert, uh, for joining us. And we're out of here. We'll see you uh, next episode. Later. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.